What's up, everybody? Welcome to the sixth draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside the BFCA bachelor, Eric Marchin. Yes, I'll be giving out roses by the end of this episode, but there's only one contestant, Matt Rohrbeck. <laughs> I go, I win, yay. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, how are you? You look very leisurely. Yeah, I'm comfortable. I am uh, in my track pants uh, with my feet up, and we're just relaxing, and we're going to talk some movies. I feel more relaxed now than I did earlier due to an incident with a hairbrush falling into a toilet you told me about this right when you got here you're like matt had a day man it's been then, one of, i thought you were gonna be like days i thought you were gonna say something like serious or like something awful happened you're like drop my hairbrush in the toilet <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh, all, right, all right yep yeah That's so what, what happened ha- what happened you just well i know. just it just i'm a clumsy person in general right. and so when you texted me this morning hey are you coming to record the podcast and i was mm-hmm. like yeah as i was waking up um so I went to the bathroom, went to brush my teeth, hair, took a took a tinkle beforehand, and uh, afterwards I went to uh, try to grab the flusher, and, mm-hmm. and then accidentally knocked my. At my least it wasn't brush. your phone or something. Yeah, and I have many uh, hairbrushes, so it's it's not a loss, and it wasn't really that expensive. Well, because I, every time I travel somewhere, <laughs> sure. the one thing I forget to bring. We're going to New York next week. I know is a hairbrush. Bring the so piss the brush. hairbrush that I knocked into the toilet was the one I bought from LA a couple years oh, ago. Memories. Um, so I had to flush the, the toilet. The BFCA with, brush. Yes, a BFCA brush, not an official BFCA brush. Uh, so I had to flush the toilet using uh, the plunger to make sure that the, the actual brush didn't go down into the sure. toilet and clog it. And then this I this is wonderful podcast. <laughs> I know. And then I had to put uh, plastic gloves on to get it out right. and, and wash it. And so Just now piss, it's, it's fine. I know. It's, it's sanitary. Yes, yeah, sterile. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, if anything, your brush is probably cleaner now. Probably. I'd hope so. But every time I use it now, I'm just going to... Well, if I do use it, because I might not for a while. And then I might just forget about it and then just wash use it, it again. Um, Put it in the dishwasher. And, and, and again, at least it was my urine and not um, somebody else's. Well, that'd be weird if you dropped your brush into a pool of someone else's urine. Yeah, so, it I would mean, be. But I don't know what situation you would have been in, but... <laughs> Hey, to each their own, man. Uh, what else is new? How you been? Uh, uh, we good. saw each other this week, didn't we? I don't know. Yeah. Did we? What the fuck did I even do I, this week? I don't know. I don't know what you I did. You didn't see Smallfoot. Oh, we did. I went and did your show on... Oh, yes. And yeah, then we yeah. recorded. We recorded like four right, days right. ago. Right, Yeah, we recorded at a... Uh, a little bit late. Place. Yeah, yeah. 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 I forgot we already did that. I know. So. It goes by so quickly. It feels like that was like a month ago. Well, now we're playing catch up a little bit, right? Because we were a little bit late on that episode. So that was on Tuesday. And now it's yeah. uh, the last day of September. Yep. September um, 30th. You guys listening to this, it will be October 1st. Or October um, 2nd. Yes. Or sometime in October if you decide to listen to this later yeah, sure, or a newcomer a to the series. So uh, happy Halloween month. We will yes, be... Uh, yes. w- we talked about a little bit before we went on air that we will probably do some... Uh, Halloween stuff. I, I, well, I know sent you a list of like. You did. Will I watch movies. any of it? I have no idea. Probably no. go back to my um, same Halloween movies I watch every year. And I, I gave you a very eclectic a variety of horror films right. ranging from scary to funny. I think I forgot to put The Hidden and The Burbs on there. Um, I do want to watch The Burbs. I've the Burbs is it. a lot of fun as a horror comedy. Yeah. Um, but I would highly recommend maybe watching a couple of those. I'm going like to try. Planet I, of the Vampires is a perfect example of something that came before Alien that plays in the same kind of genre. And I'm sure that Dan O'Bannon was a, was a fan of that when he was writing the script. Cool. Yeah, I um, last year Nevis and I watched a bunch of uh, 
horror and thriller movies in October. So I think we'll kind of continue to do that. Yeah, because you did the Nightmare on Elm um, Street films. Yes, and you always seem to watch. I mean, I think everybody does seem to watch either like whether it be John Carpenter's Halloween yeah. or The Exorcist. There's always like a go-to movie that everybody watches this time I might of year. choose one series to go through with her and then watch some other stuff because last year it was Nightmare. And right. And um, Nevis does have an interest in watching the other Halloween movies. Last year we watched... Because John... you've seen Season of the Witch too. Yes. So um, last year we watched Halloween 1 and Halloween 3 and then I refused to watch the other ones knowing that they were being eliminated from continuity. continuity. Because not that I feel like they're worthless now. Like I, I mean... Well, they I, kind I... of were worthless even before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I like too because it takes place on the same right. night and it's in a hospital. But it kind of gets rid of Jamie Lee Curtis's character completely and... And even Donald Pleasance, and it's about like all these like disposable, um, you know, nurses and and doctors in training that get killed off, and and it's really nothing that adds to the canon of it. And then when you get back to four and five, which they remarketed the movie because Halloween three did so badly, and everyone wanted Michael Myers back, you get four and five are basically uh, a continuation where you have um, Jamie Lee Curtis's cousin i believe or 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 or, or, or her niece sure um kind of p- coming into play and then that series going wrong but part six is the one of the first films paul that, that stars it? paul rudd yeah. okay uh we might go through those because she was like uh, i was kind of making fun of uh halloween resurrection yeah and uh Trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. That yeah. and that was shot in Vancouver, and I think Halloween H two O was as well. Yeah, Halloween H two O was uh, has a really good final sequence. Um, and LL Cool J as a uh, security guard trying to moonlight as a um, romance novelist is kind of fun. And it's again, one of them is like a, a reality show, isn't that's it? That's Resurrection. Oh, is it Resurrection? Where it's all like. You know, hidden cameras. So, am I thinking of H two O? Probably. Well, Buster Rhymes is in oh. is in Resurrection, and he has the trick or treat motherfucker yeah. line, yeah. right? Which is like one of the last lines. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember so that one has that the the stars of Halloween Resurrection were uh, Buster Rhymes and uh, Tyra Banks. Yes, yes. And then H two O was the uh, the first films, or at least one of the first movies, to star Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams. Right. Yeah, I do want to go back and watch them. I don't know if that will be. They're not good, man. Um, they're I'm just not, telling. But you. I know. But they're kind of. It's fun schlock. Yeah, it's you know what you're getting into, and especially if you keep in the continuity of Mike Myers, since you have seen season right. of the witch, which I really like that movie, but it's its own thing. Yo, I love Halloween three, and then um, and that's what they wanted it to be. Yeah, is an anthology series, and then the Friday the Thirteenth movies too. I've been kind of interested to go back, but those <laughs> that literally so is the same film yeah. over and over I again. Know. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't know what I'll end up watching i want to watch fright night and i have a couple things on my queue, the original like, fright night yeah with chris sarandon and roddy mcdowell yeah, yeah. so I, I bought that last year and there are a bunch of things that i've wanted i've been holding off on rewatching because they've been sitting in my um itunes library or having blu-rays of them and um but yeah man uh, other than that i've been just hanging out you know uh i finished uh the spider-man in review series uh from the kind of funny dudes they just wrapped up uh amazing spider-man 2 so i watched that which i think i watched the week before but uh that's something um i honestly think it kind of gets a bad rap but it is a bad 
a, a pretty bad movie still, but like not bad, but like I, well, it's I, a I movie think that, that that's promising a lot. Like its ambition right. is that it's setting up more than just exactly another sequel. It's setting off spinoffs. It's going to be this the, the the beginning of the Sinister Six. I mean, right. Confior is playing uh, the the Vulture before he's the Vulture, right? Yeah, but I don't think his name is. Adrian Toomes. Okay. But like I don't. I don't fucking know what they were doing. Like it's just. I don't think they and, knew. Like they didn't know what they were doing. No, and and which is such a shame because some of the stuff I think is actually quite good. Although I think it was surpassed leaps and bounds by um, Homecoming. But right. Some of the stuff with Andrew Garfield just being Spider Man before a lot of the villain stuff comes in, and him just being your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. And I think they. Or your friendly neighborhood um, asshole. Well, I think he's <laughs> he's less of an asshole in the second one. Like I right. think they found the character. They make a Dane bit DeHaan more. more of the asshole. Yeah. In this one. <laughs> I used to be with models, and like the way that they're like, I don't know. That was so. And then when he turns into Goblin, is so bad. But. Um, there are like bits and pieces I do actually like, and I think overall I was like, you know what, this is not a. I, I mean, I had fun with it. I just yeah. think they're very forgettable. Um, well, both. there's a tragedy in uh, built around this movie, obviously, and and for comic book fans and movie fans, I think people know that it's you know the death of Gwen Stacy, mm-hmm. and I think that sequence is good. really well shot, yeah. really well executed. The direction is there. It felt like everything was sort of basically spun around and i buy into their movie. relationship and i think it is very earned in the two movies right other than him being a dick bag to dennis leary yeah um and uh to captain stacy and being like oh i'll, I'll leave her out of that and yeah. he's like yeah and anyways. and like even though even though you know like he he leaves her alone for a little bit he should have still gone to well, the he's funeral like stalking to her stalking her too yeah he's but like, he didn't follow, go to the funeral i know and he's like i follow you every day <laughs> But except at your dad's uh, funeral. Yeah, which, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he should have still won. What's that going to hurt anyone? Yeah. Like, no one really knows that he's And that's just Spider-Man. out of respect. I mean, right. and the, and the, and then the end sequence, like, you know, promises are meant to be broken. Like, yeah. get out of here, you asshole. Yeah, he is too, thinks he's too cool for Peter Parker, almost. Yeah, he's too, like, he's too and I, cool I, for school, And man. I'm fine if you want to modernize it and they're making kind of more of a cool, nerdy peter parker but like it they don't balance it very well like sometimes he just comes across as a dick right and um and angsty and like and he's still they they finally nailed it with tom holland i think but like andrew garfield i i like him and i think he was actually a good choice if they would have found that balance between cool and nerdy and not dick bag right um but he still feels a little bit too old like well he was in his early 30s when he was playing him i mean he doesn't look as old as toby mcguire as old as toby mcguire but i mean when we were watching the spider-man movies as they were being released the toby mcguire sam raimi films um I mean, he still kind of looked young, sort of. Sort of. But, but when you go back and watch them now, you you were totally like, this guy is in his you know late twenties, early thirties, early sixties. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's the same thing with Garfield, where it's like, like I could see him as a like at college, no problem, right? But a high schooler, no way, no, not a chance. That's what I mean. They almost should have. They, it, I mean, you're going back and going, what they should have done is like if they if they had the last one set in his senior years of high school, they should have almost jumped ahead and and had him been Spider-Man for years already and right. had a little bit of an older Spider-Man like they did in the Spider-Man game, which we talked about last week. Well, they didn't they didn't trust their audience to to understand the origin story. They they keep 
treating people, with the exception of Homecoming, where it's like, well, we have to repeat, you know, certain scenes, you know, Uncle and Ben dying yeah, and, like, and setting it up again. Thinking and that, changing little things here and there. Yeah, like really, adding like, his parents yeah. in in that subplot to intrigue fans that are kind of bored with the origin story. But yeah. it didn't do anything new. Like, if it had started in college, that would have been interesting. And yeah, like seeing a, a later age and, Spider-Man. Or in just having all his villains kind of set up. And, and like, I mean, yeah. you, if you... Again, you pretty much know, like, you don't need to know where fucking Rhino came from right. or where Scorpion came from or... Vulture, or, yeah. Mysterio. Like, They're some just of them villains. you want personal relationships with Spider-Man, Doc, which is Doc, Doc Ock, Ock and, and Dr. And, Connors. And Green Goblin yeah. and, and stuff like that. So I understand wanting to kind of set those up, especially if you hadn't seen them in other movies yet. Right. Um... But it, and then they almost went from one extreme. To I feel the bad other, for Dylan right? Baker like, though in yeah. the uh, Sam Raimi ones because <laughs> yeah. it's like they kept setting him up and, and it was then, like, yeah. eh, we're not gonna use you, right? <laughs> ever. And I just feel like they went. They were like, well, okay, this, the Raimi ones were too much of like the '60s style Spider-Man, like the aw shucks, like yeah. um, kind of campy. G um, Willikers. Yeah, kind of thing, and then so they're like, let's make him fucking cool and edgy and, and yeah. modern, and then he it just doesn't doesn't work. And I kind of um, wish Jamie Fox dressed up as the '60s version of Electro because I think that would have been cooler right. than the version that he that he is because yeah, he looks like, like he uh, looks like Gatorade. Yeah, he just looks like a Blue Man Group yeah. member that kind of shocks people. And uh, yeah, or Doctor or Doctor Freeze. And or some Mr. of the Freeze. dubstep stuff really doesn't work in the score. Yeah, and like oh uh, yeah, it's just weird. They do like itsy bitsy spider and dubstep, and it's like it's just really I don't know. Like some of the action sequences are okay, and I do like him swinging and just being Spider Man, but. Um, the eels are good, and yeah, it's it, it it's like a weird balance of like trying to be too serious, but also very comic booky and cartoony, and like it's just, I get why people hate it. I don't hate it as much as other people do, but I do think that those movies are just completely forgettable. And at right. least the Raimi movies, as much as you might look back at them and go, "Ooh, these are really cheesy or corny or something," I feel like they were important and felt. Um, huge at the at the time and i still do think spider-man 2 is is an enjoyable movie and right and i think doc ock is a great villain so like i will remember spider-man 1 and 2 very fondly even if i look back and go oh yeah they're a little corny but yeah um, but at the moment that they were made and, and and they they are a milestone in the superhero genre that you cannot deny um, especially too. I, I honestly do think Alfred Molina's Doc Ock is really fantastic, oh, and that and that best. sequence where he's in the hospital is horrifying. It's great, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, like I, I look at uh, the Amazing Spider-Man one and two and think, also being removed from it now that it didn't get to complete its story, so it kind of feels like it's an incomplete work, and that that also is a negative going against it in right. retrospect. Like, why go back and even pay attention to these when yeah. you're kind of bookended with the original Spider-Man trilogy, which is, I think, important and memorable. And then you have these two kind of outliers that tried to do things sort of differently, but were, were also very, very similar. And then right. you have Homecoming, which I think does a, uh, an amazing job of integrating that character into a new universe and actually doing... Uh, the perfect balance of Peter actually being young and in high school and being a high school comedy with great action sequences and 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 great character building and, and world building and and my hope is that they when they continue or when they finish it is that they 
finish it with a satisfying ending. Endings are are as hard as beginnings, or even more so. Well, yeah. Because if you look at Dark Knight Rises, Spider Man Three. They um, tire out so quickly, and yeah. when they do, like once after two is finished, it's like, well, what do we do for part three? And it's like, okay, well, is it going to be a greatest hits? Are we going to? expand upon that because if we expand we're introducing new characters that we have to you know obligate time to them um but it doesn't it doesn't always work so my curiosity in in the homecoming uh series is you know when it does come to its conclusion whenever that may be is how will they end it and and how will it work within you know not just the continuity of Spider-Man, but the Marvel continuity. Yeah, and we'll get into more Marvel stuff later, but, I mean, jumping on that, I think it's really fascinating. I think they did a great job of casting Tom Holland and doing kind of the... I mean, how I envision it is a little bit like Harry Potter, and I I see Tom Holland being Spider-Man for a very long time and being super integral to Phase 2, or Phase 4, sorry, Phase 2. Well, I mean, it's it's, it's Phase 2 for him in a way, because, like, he was a part of... Phase three, right? Right, which was uh, Civil War. And, like, he's already been in three films, essentially. He's a veteran now. Civil War, um, Homecoming, and Infinity War. And he'll be in um, Infinity War whatever the sequel's called and and i think it's just infinity war 2 and then uh and then far from home so he'll have four um five movies under his belt and then i i feel like he was young enough that he could grow into this role and we could see a spider-man that gets into his 20s and even like up into close to being 30 and like kind of what um, spider-verse is doing the 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 miles morales animated film where we could maybe see him, you know, passing hand, the torch, pa- yeah, passing which the is torch. Cool. Yeah, and I think like, and I don't think you need to make him die, or maybe you do later. And and um, I mean, the death of Peter Parker is a is a huge plot line, especially in the Miles Morales stuff. And um, I think you could do that and do it really well. Like, I mean, they've already teased Miles with um with his uncle, with played by um, Donald Glover, Donald Glover in, in Homecoming, and you could have no. He's playing be... also the Prowler character, right? Like, right. That's his I, name? He, yeah, he does become a villain called the Prowler, and I remember and that, that in could, the animated series from the nineties. That 90s. could uh, that could play into it, and um, I think if you have Miles be very young, like at that time, then he can grow into being a teenager and becoming um, the other Spider-Man much later, right? right? Maybe when you're ready to pass the torch down, like maybe five, ten years down the line or something like that, right? Like say he's five years old, six years old, seven years old when he's referenced in um, in Homecoming and then maybe in, in ten years or so or five years, depending on – it's all weird and we're going to talk about the Fox stuff later, but how it works of like how many movies did they sign on to be part of the MCU with Marvel Studios, right? Sony I'm talking about here. Right. And, like, and how that's all going to play out because Sony could, I think, potentially just uh, – pull out at any time and just go no okay we're gonna go back to doing our own spider-man stuff which i think would be a horrible idea right and we'll, um, we'll definitely see how venom does because that's opening this coming week, week yeah. right so you know maybe that'll also be a factor in determining you know moving forward what sony decides to do with their their villain line anyways and it'll show you like depending on what the reviews are going to be like and how the box office is is like if a non-mcu kind of spider-man thing can still work and like if that or if that's what people want and i just think it would be an awful idea to kind of go and like leave that and i think uh, it's it's weird sony's in a weird spot because they've been talking about maybe getting out of making movies in general for a long time so um uh that could also happen but who the hell knows we're in a, in a weird time but i'm excited i, I spider-man's my favorite character so it was fun to kind of 
uh, go back even more so than I mean Batman and Spider-Man were always my guys but Batman lately hasn't been on a a, a huge role um, do you mean from the comic books or just the movies themselves or both I've kind or? of fallen out of both like I Scott Snyder was writing Batman for the longest time and I loved his run in DC comics of recent memory for the last God it feels like five to eight years I don't know how long he's been writing um, it doesn't feel that long but it's, it has been a decent amount of time but he's moved over to justice league now right and tom king who i've heard is great is writing batman right now um i just haven't gotten into it and um I, well I'm you know when huge... you're gonna get back into it matt reeves baby oh, he's yeah. bringing it well back. i love matt reeves so i'm curious of how that will how that will go right so um but I'm excited for Spider-Man. This stuff is weird that we're getting far from home stuff before we even know what the hell's happening with the next. Well, they uh, haven't Avengers even officially confirmed and, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. Yeah, you haven't seen any photos of him. We just see, keep seeing photos in in Venice and in in Europe and stuff yeah. like that. And, I mean, we're, we're, they've confirmed Samuel Jackson and Colby Smulders, yeah. but not the main villain, which is kind of interesting. It is interesting, and I think if there's some meta stuff when it comes to illusions and and stuff with Mysterio there, so I, I'm curious of how they'll play into all of that. But I'm really excited for it. Unless, definitely. unless somehow Venom connects into yeah there was a a set photo last week where he had kind of a black suit on and people were like huh well i'm not just saying that even i'm just saying like the back door it's like you'll hear at the end of like the venom movie where it's like oh uh we're sending you to eastern europe for something although i mean for a freelancer life maybe that's completely unheard of because you can't afford that kind of thing but uh especially these days but i i could see them doing that almost like a like a backdoor kind of entry into spider-man far from home where it's like at the last minute the button is because i mean a lot there there have been rumors and spoiler alert i'll give you a second to tune out for this but there have been a lot of rumors saying that Woody Harrelson is playing Carnage and that he's going to be kind of the post credit scene or I'm he'll sure that be will added be, later yeah. on. Well, and then there were rumors that Tom Holland would show up in a post credit scene or some sort of cameo. Right. I don't And it is PG-13, so now that they can include some of that, but somebody pointed out just recently on Twitter that like that's gotten a PG-13 rating and it has a character like, you know, biting people's heads off and eating them and then 8th grade gets an R rating for someone swearing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's all weird. Um, anything else you've been watching, or just um, kinda... well, Smallfoot, which was uh... yeah, you can go into that now if you want. I don't really like... have much to say yeah. about it other than it's a very conventional animated kids movie from Warner Animated Group and and same company that's produced the the Lego movies, and it has its heart in the right sp- spot. But I think the better thing to go and watch on Twitter is that. Uh, Zendaya's Michi video, yeah. which is only like three Spider-Man minutes. Spider-Man talking about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 in terms of uh, connecting the two, um, which I thought was hilarious and probably ten times better than the movie itself. But it does teach, you know, younger kids to kind of be open-minded and inquisitive and, and ask questions, but it does it in such a way that it's for kids only and adults will really not suffer, but have to kind of indulge in the childlike uh, nature of the film than actually enjoy it for what it is. And that's going to be tough. And I just found myself sitting there the whole time thinking, when is this going to be over? <laughs> what a ringing yeah. endorsement. And James Corden is the worst. I I think I've come <laughs> down officially on that. And, and, and like he sings a, a version of Under Pressure um, in this. And it's a musical too. That is that is the one thing that's kind of interesting is that um, Carrie Kirkpatrick, who is the... Uh, director of the film mm-hmm. added in these musical numbers 
in post-production on the script. So it was never supposed to be a musical but animated. She just added. He did, yeah. Or he, sorry. Yeah. Um, so he added those in last minute when, before they were going into pre-production. So they were written after the fact. Interesting. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, that's why you get people like Zendaya and people who can sing. Well, it's weird hearing like a rap written for Common that Common didn't write and it just feels false. Right. And it just doesn't feel like it's him, even though he brings, like he's like his, he had like his moment to shine is in this song that he delivers. He's good. Like he brings it, but at the same time, you can tell that it's not his voice. Right. I have literally no interest and I will never see that movie. <laughs> uh, just you asked me, you're like, you want to come to the screening? I'm like, sorry, dude, yeah. can't do it. It's, so yeah. I came up with other ideas of stuff we can talk about because I did not. I had some uh, chicken nuggets, though, from Cineplex. They weren't bad. Uh, the chicken fingers? Yeah. yeah, the chicken fingers, they were good. Uh, they're pretty decent. Yeah, for what they out of, are. Out of any of the like uh, food that they serve there, I would say that that's probably top tier. Yeah. It's like pizza's always garbage. Hot dogs are like, okay. Yeah, depending on I the like day a, when you I get like a them. good movie theater hot dog. Yeah. Sometimes you get. I like how you're holding um, up your hand now. It's like it's this. It's this yeah, thick. No, it's, yeah. Um, I like a good um theater dog once in a Who while. Doesn't? Uh, sometimes you put a little nacho cheese on there. That's a hot tip. That's really good. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I try to avoid concession food for the most part other than like some sour patch kids or or tiff like tiff is the one time a year where it's like your diet has to coincide with that surprisingly we didn't i feel like i didn't get that much concession food i had like a couple bags of popcorn and we ate some like well i'm talking about like even like roy thompson hall oh yeah we get the soda water or some sour patch kids or something or i get some gummy bears pringles or some shit like that but um, for the most part like i i will indulge in either a peanut m&m a almond m&m uh, bag of popcorn very rarely. Sometimes you mix those, and then the Sour Patch Kids, and then you gotta do the Cherry Coke Zero. But, yeah, um, Chicka Cherry Cola. It's uh, that's my usual go-to. But yeah, I, I had pizza the other day, and it just made me feel like garbage. Like that. Oh, you had like Cineplex the, pizza. Yeah, that's just okay. been sitting there for hours, and it's like. Well, what crusty. Cineplex did you go to? Queensway. Queens. Okay. Because if you because if you went to Scotia Bank, I would have slapped you because you could have gone to Blaze, which oh, yeah, is right I know, there. I know. But sometimes when you're about to see a movie and you just need to eat something. Right. I hear you, like, man. I, just, I hear you. I that's when I saw a house with a, a a clock in its walls. I got a pizza slice and um, regretted it. But uh, other than that, uh, yeah. Other than that, I watched. I uh, finished Brooklyn Nine Nine. Nine Nine. Yeah, I uh, finished season five. So Nevis and I completed the entire series in the last couple months or so. So I'm all caught up. Season. I finished that in two days. Season six. Uh, <laughs> season six is premiering. I think early next year. Yeah, correct? on NBC on, on now. NBC. Yeah. So glad that it's coming back because I would have hated if that was the end of it, man. Right. Like, but it does feel like an NBC show. So it's. I think it's you know technically it's really coming home. Oh it, no, I agree completely. I think it's the best spot for it. It always felt weird on Fox right. a little bit. I mean, I don't think I ever even watched it on Fox. I usually just waited until Netflix. Netflix and then, same. But now I probably will keep up week to week with it because um, also the Good Place came back last week. So right. I'm, I'm excited to uh, to uh, start get started on season three of that. So, um, but it's great. The the last episode spoilers everyone. If you haven't caught up on Brooklyn Nine Nine, you can pause it for the next two minutes but um the jake and amy uh wedding was great and i just like how oh, at far... the police station yeah, yeah it's and how, beautiful and how far all the characters have come and man that show is just so funny and like uh i Boyle is hilarious and i love hitchcock and scully and they're discussing ant antics and um 
Well, how they like it's like who can sit there the longest in the gross. Series. They're just the worst. But and the then best. Andre Brower's Holt oh, is God. is amazing. Like and that I went back and watched the pilot, which I either haven't seen in a really ta- long time or I don't think I've ever seen it. And weirdly, I don't know why, but or it might have been a long time ago. But it's so different because you can tell they're all they're all still trying to figure out their characters. Right. It, it was very much like a a pilot like because um, the fir- they're in a completely different precinct and it looks different and cheaper and weird and um before it gets into episode two where they kind of you can tell they worked on their characters trying to figure them out but... right but that happens with anything oh, i mean I with it's any series or back, podcasts right? or, or anything that like you the go longer... back to the first episode it's kind of cringy right yeah or it's really... just or it's just or the it's... beginning yeah. like and you and you understand that it's like you know they're trying to figure out who like you said who their characters are um what the dynamics are going to be how yeah. the, the the relationships will sort of land and and that kind of stuff is interesting like you know Boyle and sort of his lovelorn storyline in those first couple of seasons and yeah and things like that are kind of interesting but yeah it, it's it, it's a show that not only grows on you but it's such a fun and easy watch like you could oh, throw that on any time or, or just re-watch them again and just kind of indulge in in you know plot lines and like the that, doug judy stuff uh, is doug, amazing. anytime <laughs> doug judy shows up played by craig robinson is just amazing and uh all i mean they do such a good job with those guest stars and how yeah. they keep coming back and and um it, it's it's just brilliant and i think michael Schur is just uh i think one of the best uh uh tv showrunners and creators working i mean the guy created the office and parks and rec and the good place and all nbc now and brooklyn 99 um obviously i love his style because those are four of my favorite uh, kind of sitcoms of the last um um, 10 15 years and um uh yeah i don't know it's great i can't wait for it to come back so and just quickly mentioning guest stars sterling k brown as the dentist in the interrogation room episode is amazing it's a great high concept episode and stuff they don't do that often because like the police work stuff is kind of the secondary thing right like most of it you're based on relationships and their their friends and and some of the stuff is funny with the doug judy stuff for the recurring cases and and the crimes that they have to solve but um yeah high concept episode where it all takes place in an interrogation room with um captain holt and and jake and 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 then yes sterling k brown uh, plays a character that they're uh, as a dentist a dentist that they're investigating and, and it's he is just amazing man oh he's playing it straight too yeah. like he, he like his character is actually chilling yeah. and the way that both you know jake and and holtz handled him is it, it i mean it's night and day obviously but um it's it's funny seeing how they come together at the end and sort of you know bring it all home and and for for a single location episode, it is completely riveting. It's fun. I mean, Sterling K. Brown himself has even said that Andre Brower was a huge inspiration for him when he was working on uh, when Brower was on uh, Homicide. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just it's a great episode where everybody has total respect for each other and are digging into the parts. And yeah, like you love those episodes. Or again, like with the recurring ones, like the Halloween episodes are always yeah. a lot of fun too. Every year, you can always remember there's a Halloween, a Thanksgiving episode. A Doug Judy episode. Yeah. Oh, the Thanksgiving one was. I mean, yeah. Bradley Whitford, and yeah. I know we, I don't think we talked about this on the TIFF episode, but even though we didn't love Destroyer, I didn't get. I I don't know your yeah, thoughts he, on he it. He's amazing in Destroyer. Yeah, yeah, he is the best part of Destroyer. But he's such Brad, a good slime bag. Yeah, Bradley Whitford's usually the best part of anything he's uh, he's in. Um, all right, we're thirty minutes in, and we haven't even gotten to the first segment. So <laughs> classic. Um, so. 
I've been talking about how I've been watching these kind of in review series by the kind of funny guys, and um, they've been doing mostly kind of superhero stuff, uh, going from the MCU stuff to X Men to Spider Man. Um, so that kind of inspired this kind of next thing that I want to do with you, Eric. So in about six, I haven't even heard of this yet. In, yeah, you have. Um, <laughs> in, in six weeks' time, I think about six or seven weeks' time. The American Thanksgiving um, uh, week is when Creed Two comes out. Creed Two comes out. So what I would like to do is over the next six weeks or so, kind of go through the Rocky series and kind of review each film or talk about each film once per week. As, um, would you say that it's going to be a brisk conversation? You know, it's brisk, baby. baby. Remember those? I yeah. didn't hear no bell. Yeah. So I've wanted, I, I, I mean, I think I've seen bits and pieces of the Rocky franchise throughout my life, but I don't know. Or a I'm, montage, perhaps. Yeah, but I don't, that's how I envision it in my brain. Well, that's I, how the movies are envisioned yeah. by Stallone. And I don't think I've actually sat down to like watch them so would you say this is a first time watch for you for the first rocky movie Uh, you know what i remember a lot of it when i was sitting there and watching it so i feel like i might have watched rocky but it might have been like in my teens or early earlier than that maybe my uncle showed it to me or something like that but i this is definitely the first time since i've been an adult that i will watch any of these i think right then Rocky Balboa and creed because those i remember going to see in in the theater obviously yeah um, being excited for Rocky Balboa. So I definitely had a memory of Rocky. I just don't remember sitting down and watching them all. So, uh, yeah, let's start with the, the first Rocky film. So like, um, each week we'll kind of go through and, and talk about, uh, uh, one of these movies starting with Rocky this week. And, well, this is, and, this is the classic yes. underdog story. Like, I mean, I'd say maybe before this, there was the Charlie Chaplin film, the kid that was kind of not a sports movie, but, Sort of, you know, you're rooting for a character, the the classic chump to champ storyline where uh, Stallone put all of his 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 chips into the ring, so to speak, to get this movie made because nobody believed in him the way that nobody believed in Rocky could go the distance. And Rocky Balboa as a character, when you go back to the first movie, you realize how quirky and strange and lovable he is. He's not just you know, as many people painted Stallone in the 80s as, you know, the dumb action star. I mean, Stallone wrote this script, and even though he stole a lot about, you know, Chuck Wepner's life, sure. Um, you, you know, it's, it is fascinating to see somebody who doesn't, I, I don't think, who gets enough credit as as a filmmaker, because, I mean, after John G. Adelson directed this one, Stallone would direct... The next uh, three. Yeah, and then Adelson would come back for five. Uh, but, yeah, you have the classic, you know, underdog story of... Um, Rocky at this point at the beginning is 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 fighting in churches, fighting bums. He just he, doesn't want to be a bum anymore. He doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be a bum. He wants to be a contender. He wants to he wants to go the distance. That's what he always talks about. Yeah. He he just wants to know that he can do that. Um, and he's also working for a loan shark and part of for for Gazzo and and part of his storyline there is that he is a very, he's a he's a softy he's just a big he's just a yeah. big kid a lovable guy he doesn't want to break anybody's thumbs, uh, thumbs or, or or knees like he's not that kind of guy that that will hurt somebody to get money out of them so he's really horrible at his job and he keeps going to this gym that uh, that Mickey runs uh, played by Burgess Meredith uh, who a lot of people I think you probably know him best as the penguin in the 60s Adam West series mm-hmm. and um, at first that dynamic is kind of interesting because he doesn't want to train him and he keeps telling him to get out of here you're you're a bum you're yeah. a bum rocky yeah. uh it's gonna hoit uh <laughs> and then on top of that you have this beautiful love story that comes into play with him who's this 
big muscular guy and, and Adrian. Adrian played by Talia Shire who's this kind of meek quiet bookish very shy very shy and you know like the ice rink scene is, is really beautiful and well done and then you know you see her backstory and her life with her brother who's abusive and an asshole Polly played by Burt Young and all these dynamics and subplots work really well yeah. to interweave and he's then an alcoholic you, I think yeah right? yeah but yeah. he's also I also think he has um, uh, mental issues that yeah. they don't kind of really go into in this right, one so much and right. yeah he's he's abusive and horrible and then on top of all that you have Carl Weathers as Apollo Creed who comes into play as he's the champ at the this world heavyweight champ he's looking for somebody to fight and he just kind of like randomly picks <laughs> well it's so funny and dude that's why I don't remember any of this and I think a lot of people don't realize that Rocky won best picture it won a best director yeah it was nominated for best actor best actress best supporting actor um best, best screenplay best supporting actor Two nor two best supporting actors. Be, two best supporting actors for yeah. Burgess Meredith and Burt Young. Yeah, and that which is crazy. And best um, screenplay and 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 uh, uh, yeah, whole... it beat Taxi Driver for best picture which is that crazy, year. Crazy, right? Martin Scorsese think... didn't even get nominated for directing, which is crazy. And I don't think a lot of people because I think Rocky movie, the Rocky series, it kind of became a joke. Up. Not became a joke, but like... Well, it's the sequels. It's the idea. Yeah. It's like, like, I remember the Simpsons, they made a joke where Bart's in like a, a, like a circus or a tiger thing where it's like, he's trying to find out the Roman numerals to get out. Right. And he remembers yeah. Rocky. Yeah. Rocky 9, Adrian's Revenge, yeah, you know, like yeah. the lines like that. So I think um, people forget that that first movie was hugely acclaimed and, and, and won Best Picture. And I, yeah. I think, oh, and score too. Uh, and, uh, Bill Conti's yeah, uh, Gonna Fly Now. Exactly. And like, I, I think I didn't even, re- like I, I always forget. And then I remember going, oh shit, yeah, Rocky did win Best Actor and or Best Director and Best Picture. So going back, and it's a fucking excellent movie, man. It's great. Like, I forget how, how great. And it's, it's actually way more subtle than I remember. It's grounded in yeah. reality where it's also fascinating. It's and we'll not so talk much about, about this. the boxing e- either. No, no, like, no. no. And like... we'll talk about this in the weeks to come where the series, as soon as Stallone becomes a celebrity himself, he yeah. brings that into the Rocky universe and it gets away from Rocky as an interesting as character study. Yeah, of. as relatable as a human being to the excess of the 80s. Right, which is fine. And I, I think that I'm excited to go back and watch them and yeah. whether they're silly or fun or, or whatever we think about them we'll talk about them in, in future weeks but I was surprised at again how much this movie was more so just about Rocky Balboa and and his his quest to just be kind of uh, not one of these bums in Philly, right? That's just kind of making a, a living doing kind of shitty work and, and just living paycheck, to, not even paycheck, but like cat <laughs> cash flow to cash flow from this kind of loan shark and doing these small jobs and, and, and his relationship with Adrian. And it's very much about that and him just wanting to kind of impress this girl and make sure that she doesn't think that he's a bum. And, and, and uh, I'm surprised at how little boxing was actually in the movie. And it starts off with him winning a fight and yeah, in this kind of, um, it's like, it's, it's a basement of a church. Yeah. And he's just kind of, He's going through, and he said he has had sixty something fights, but they're all kind of these amateur kind of fights. And he's always known to be uh, having a lot of heart, but just maybe doesn't fully. Um, he doesn't have the technique. Yeah. He doesn't have the skill. He's also, I mean, at, at this time, even though this is the first film, he's still considered an old man. You know, yeah. in the boxing he's world, thirty. Right? Yeah, and that's like, old. That's like like with hockey players, right? right? You retire when you're sometimes late thirties or mid, like, but you start to kind of. 
lose it when you pass. Like in sports in general, once you hit 30, you're kind of in your twilight years, right? right? And so it, it was always interesting. And Nevis was kind of doing her, her puzzle and stuff while, while I was watching them because she wants to see the, the Creed films, but I don't know if she has a huge interest in, in watching I think uh, it's important movies. to see these ones because like you look at little things that Rocky, that, that Stallone brings into even Creed because he did an uncredited rewrite for his character where like, you know, like the ball that he's always kind of throwing up in the air or, or, or the glasses yeah. and the hat no, or, I think or it, the community itself. No, I agree. And she's been, she kind of watched the movie while, uh, while she was doing her puzzle. And, um, she was just like, it, it's funny when you know someone like Stallone, who's always looked like Stallone. So he's always kind of looked older. Right. So you go, Oh fuck. He's the going to say dumb. Or no, no. I, <laughs> because I, that's like, what some people yeah. criticize or, or made fun of or him Rocky, in the eighties. Yeah, but I mean, even his character in the movie, he talks about being dumb and, and, right. and stuff like that. And I, I think that just, I don't know, that makes him like a, a I don't know, relatable and... Well, he's and, a likable guy. Like, he's, he's a, he's a he's, he is, that character Even him is, going in and talking to Adrian in the in the shop and him just being like, kind of flirting with her. But the like, turtles? Kinda, yeah. That's just, amazing. <laughs> he, he keeps going in to buy animals and fish and stuff from the store just because he wants to talk to this girl. And she never really, she's kind of being polite to him and, 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 and kind of lets him do all the talking and he kind of just rambles on about different things or he talks to the puppies and, and he, yeah, he has his two turtles. And, and, and those turtles like are the and, same fucking turtles in yeah, Creed. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. So I, uh, it's fun as we go through this to kind of uh, see those things again. But I just – I kind of liked the, the building of their relationship. I don't – I mean I know that their introduction of their first date is a, a little – cringy with how uh what's his name's kind of treating his sister and, and yeah polly yeah. yeah how polly's treating his sister and how i mean rocky seems like he's like uh, i don't know but the like, way that rocky eventually does handle him yeah is interesting and and we'll talk more about this as the series goes like there there are moments where polly will have these huge outbursts but then rocky kind of you know, tries to diffuse the situation as quickly as he possibly can without any violence, without any yeah. uh, mean-spirited anger towards him because he considers Polly a part of his family. Right. And it's the same thing. I think and my, he understands. Yeah, think. And, and my favorite scene in the movie is the one where uh, Mickey comes to, you know, convince Rocky to train with him and he's kind of got his tail between his legs. Yeah, and he's got uh, his, Like, that scene is really, really well done and it's like that moment of where the characters finally, you know, meet at a, a, at a crossroads and, and it's... Very heartfelt. Yeah, I know. I, I was kind of like, man, I'd tell this guy to go fuck off. He's yeah. being like, well, Rocky's a better person yeah. than, than a lot of yeah. people give him credit. And then again, like, because he does kind of tell him to go away. Yeah. But then as 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 he's leaving, you're a fighter. He, yeah, he comes out and he kind of uh, agrees to be trained by him. And, and and I love that performance by Burgess Meredith. Yeah. Like Mickey is one of those characters where again, part two and a little bit with part three, like that relationship, how it changes, and and right. and, and Apollo as well. His character arc is so fascinating as the villain in the first two more so in like the a, first one but he's he's more of a showman at, right i don't else. i wouldn't say he's like a yeah i get that he is the villain because he's the guy that's going up the opponent rocky, if you but, will yeah the opponent i'd say gaz was more of the it, villain than, than it is interesting else. that he just picks rocky basically by chance because there's this kind of booklet of amateur boxers and which Philly. is that real is and that <laughs> well maybe back then it was because like uh basically what happens in the film is that um he's supposed to have this big huge uh heavyweight championship match against a top contender and and the guy gets injured i think he breaks his hand yeah. and then um there's only six 
four or six weeks to the fight and and um and apollo doesn't want to kind of lose out on this um big holiday special this uh, uh against this opponent so he goes well let's pick someone from philly because at least we'll be able to kind of have that because the fight i think was supposed to take place there anyway yeah um so they just open this booklet and he's kind of flipping through and they're like, well, all the top contenders are either busy or, or don't want to take the fight on short notice or things like that. So right. let's give this opportunity to someone, uh, a Philly born that, um, and it'll, we'll kind of just have this spectacle and, and yeah. who cares? It's and, not even meant for when I'll go with the Italian stallion. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not, it's not even meant for, for, for them to have a moment like a, it's like a, a marketing thing. Yeah, it's a marketing like, it's thing like, for Apollo. Yeah, he's just like, I like this guy's name because he's flipping through the book and sees the Italian stallion Rocky Balboa, and he's just like, that's what I want. He's like, right. I want to fight the Italian stallion and have this. He just sees it from a marketing standpoint of being like this Philly-born guy with this great kind of name. Which, and, uh, in a way, again, like in terms of marketing, I, I get where he's coming from. Like in terms of like, it just sounds good. Yeah, and I, I like that he's – and then Rocky is just convinced to take the fight because um, essentially he gets $150,000 for the fight and and he just wants people to take him seriously. Yeah. And he goes, okay, he wants why not? To, like, he wants to go Because originally distance. he says, nah, I don't want to do it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I think it's really cool, man. And he and loses, like, but he holds his own. I like even that basically. like. I, and I know that's kind of we see that throughout the the Rocky franchise too, even later and, and and stuff like that. We'll get to that point, but like, I like that they don't even make a big deal about him losing. Like, it's actually you almost miss it that you're like, right. wait, did he win or did he lose? Because he's celebrating that he just made it the 15 rounds, yeah, and because no one thought he'd get past the third round essentially, and um, or even the first. Um, but I just like how it's just building his character and building his relationship with Adrian. And even the ending is all about how much he just cares about Adrian and how much he showed her that he yeah. he Where's could <laughs> he could commit himself. And he the training montages is 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 is, is great because you see that he's finally. Um, it's not that he wasn't trying before, but he knows he has this big important thing and that you, you keep saying he wanted to go to the distance. So he wasn't training to win. He was just training to kind of be, show people that. That he could do it. Yeah. That he that he, he could prove people wrong, but not prove them wrong in a I told you so, but as like I can do this and, and, and I want to do this. And when he has that moment at the end where you're just like – you just you get you get a little emotional watching Dude, that and it's, like he's celebrating like he won and then you hear kind he of did. In the, he really and did. in the background you kind of just hear that he loses a split decision yeah. and but it's so like it's not like this big like Bruce Buffer moment comes out or Michael Buffer comes out and like and does the big like uh thing of like he oh he lost and it's made into a big deal it's literally Rocky celebrating people almost celebrating with him and he's being interviewed being like we couldn't believe you made it like all yeah. 15 like even rounds. apollo's like and then, you know good for you man yeah and he uh, apollo ends up winning by a split decision meaning two people went for him and one person went for for rocky and um or whatever how many judges are in boxing i don't know um but he's just calling out to adrian and adrian just trying to get her attention and and he's and, like where's your hat and yeah and she's sneaking <laughs> her into the into the ring because he just wants to celebrate with her and that's all he really cares about and i think that was really touching and i think i was surprised and i'm like oh yeah the rocky movies almost become a joke up on on yeah on themselves but like this first film is actually a, it's about a knowing your self-worth and showing other people it and and understanding that that you know you can take a risk like this and and have this opportunity to really do something because 
even though, yeah, he, he loses, he goes the distance, he has this wonderful relationship uh, with Adrian, and on top of that, you know, he's he's befriended Mickey as well. So he's really won in life, and that's what the movie's all about. It's not just about winning this match. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it is truly and utterly defined as the great underdog story, yeah. and... and um, I remember with the montages, like as a kid, I was always curious to try the uh, uh, the eggs. Oh yeah, no, like the five <laughs> eggs in a glass that he just downs, and ugh, no. Thanks. I don't know how he did it, but that's the other thing as well. You got to look at Stallone at that time as well. Before that, he was doing bit parts in like you know in New York when he was in Woody Allen's Bananas, and then he was also working for Roger Corman and you know Death Race 2000 with David Carradine. So at that point, he didn't really have you know a, a name for himself and any time that he would bring this script around to people people laughed him out of the room mm-hmm. you know so good for him for for you know himself going the distance and making this movie because nobody believed in him yeah man it's great and i'm excited to kind of um see how uh i i remember them vaguely but i always mix up which one is uh, which and i think it'll be really cool coming up to creed and and going into creed 2 with all the um the drago stuff and uh, and how the what's well, creed um, that's uh that's well yeah so yeah, like it's like, rocky yeah. 4 and then versus creed we'll get 2 there, yeah it's just cool how they're bringing it back and i think watching rocky and then seeing I remember seeing Creed two years ago and, and just being so impressed by that movie. And you can kind of see the parallels there and how um, they brought the series back to be kind of taken seriously. And, and I think Rocky Balboa did that to an extent too. But, yeah. Well, Rocky, um, Rocky Balboa really is kind of like the end of the Rocky. Yeah, totally. Franchise. And I think it was a perfect way to yeah. kind of bring it back and, and go, okay, let's uh, give him one last thing, but we'll get there. I don't want to yeah. go too far. Well, the it, other but... thing I should mention as well with John G. Avilton, who actually just passed away uh, last year, last year um, is that he kind of ripped off the formula for the Karate Kid movies because yeah. he directed the Karate Kid yeah. films as well. So he basically took the same kind the of underdog. Yeah. For kids, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I like that first Karate Kid movie a lot, not so much the sequels, but like Pat Morita as, 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 you know, the sensei who, teaches uh, ralph macchio to defend himself against these bullies and nobody giving him credit for going the distance is is literally even though yeah. he wasn't the writer on either one of these films he he literally stole from his uh, his own his style own yeah which is fine yeah Whatever. wax on wax off right but no uh it's an excellent movie and um i suggest anyone who is listening who hasn't seen it to go back and you or revisit it and because revisit it, yeah. some people might forget that this movie was an independently made, you know, grounded piece of filmmaking back in the day that is very schmaltzy and it's it's very sentimental at times, but it has a lot of heart and it really just, it it just punches you in the face. It's a great movie. It really, really is. All right. uh, Let's take a quick break and then we'll get into kind of, uh, we're going to talk about kind of some new segment that we're calling talking trailers. We're going to talk about all the recent movie trailers and what's coming up. Uh, Then we got some news about the Eternals, Dark Phoenix, 20th Century Fox, Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy and Bruce Dern. Then we're going to review a simple favor. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back in about 30 seconds to talk news and trailers. You're a fighter. Concentrate. It's over, Rock. Now that it's over, just give me something to drink. There ain't nothing on ice till the savior now. Let me brisk guys pay Except maybe this. Brad Balboa needs a miracle. Yo, that's brisk, baby. Get in there. 
And we are back. Uh, sorry about that. I needed to um, relieve myself and get some goldfish crackers. Um, just so everyone knows. What you're eating right now. And if you hear a little crunch crunch, that's what I'm eating. Um, don't drink a Trenta cold brew right before doing a podcast because you will have to stop, especially when you only have two people. Um, so, Eric, we just talked about the first Rocky film. We're going to continue um, each week reviewing a Rocky movie. But let's move into a new segment. I wrote down today called Talkin' Trailers. What was that? Talkin' Trailers! Talkin' um, Trailers. Sorry, I shouldn't crunch this. This With is annoying. Matt and Eric. No one wants to listen to me eat goldfish. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, knowingly, not knowingly, people probably Are we going to trash this. these trailers um, or are we going to tentatively... Yeah. I love, love movie them. trailers. So I do like, too. I mean, I worked in marketing, um, but I think there is an art to making a good trailer and I love getting hyped about um johnny coming english up or, or anything that's coming up <laughs> and i'm like addicted to watching movie trailers there are times where i try to kind of stay away from it and well right before and, like the fest like like if a festival begins like tiff and they're releasing a bunch of trailers that are going to be playing the movies are going to be playing at the festival then it's kind of like well maybe i can avoid those because i'm going to be seeing them within the two weeks that, yeah or even know, they're, they're playing yeah or even when like a, a movie releases like a third or fourth trailer or like a final trailer that's getting closer to a movie. Like, or one that you know that the movie itself or the marketing people feel that there's a desperation to get more attention where like Venom you know, has released like five yeah, trailers. Yeah, and like the closer we get to it, I'm like, I don't need to watch that or that TV spot or if they release another trailer like a week before the movie comes out. And I'm like, two trailers tops. Give me a teaser and a trailer. <laughs> right. That's literally all I need. Give me a teaser that's however many months out or a year out that kind of gives you a little taste and then give me one that's closer that's like a two and a half minute trailer kind of gives me and what I kind of what I can expect out of the movie like a maybe a month or two before it comes out. I don't know. Like I just feel like you don't need much more than that although I'm a sucker and I will watch them um, for the most part. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought like each week we can kind of do a roundup because, uh, and talk about, uh, what we've kind of liked that we've seen, on, um, from trailers in the last week or so, and then what's coming up. So, I mean, we haven't done this yet, so there are a ton that we kind of touched on, but we, uh, in previous weeks, but we haven't really made it a segment, but recently we've gotten a Dark Phoenix trailer, the new X-Men film, a Holmes and Watson trailer, uh, with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. We have the newest trailer for Fantastic Beasts 2, uh, Creed 2 trailer, which that might be the perfect place to start. Um, which is the second Creed. This is like yeah. the full trailer now. Yes, like a full trailer for Creed 2. Uh, we have a new Ralph Breaks the Internet trailer, a, uh, a Bumblebee trailer, uh, The Grinch, which is the Illumination animated uh, version of The Grinch with Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, we got a Captain Marvel trailer, uh, teaser, essentially. Right, it's a teaser. Um, and uh, a full Mary Poppins Returns trailer trailer in the last like two weeks or so and um so yeah i don't know where you want to start like, we should probably um, start with creed 2 yeah so we just talked about the first rocky movie and um i don't think we're gonna spoil much out of the other movies by talking about the creed 2 trailer but apollo uh, dies yeah um <laughs> what did you think of the new trailer I, I'm, I'm fine with it i'm i think i was more impressed with the first one just because i really liked kendrick lamar's dna scored to the actual uh, montage sequence there at the end, yeah. um, and it, and it kind of has a nice flow to it. Um, with it, I mean, I'm still very much excited about the movie. Uh, the only thing is, I think we've talked about it uh, a lot, is that Ryan Coogler is not back to direct the film. Mm -hmm. So, 
Um, it'll be interesting to see how this movie works without him. And it was originally going to be Stallone that was going to direct this movie, but for unknown reasons, uh, he was uh, not uh, decidedly not uh, going to direct it. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm that's down... probably a good choice. Probably, yeah. I, I'm I'm definitely down for. You know, more of that relationship between Adonis and Rocky and sort of where that's going to go. Um, but I'm also very curious to see how they bring in uh, Drago and his son, um, especially because Dolph Lundgren, when he was in Rocky Four, I mean, had maybe two sentences in the whole film. And, you know, Stallone was smart to kind of base the menace on his look and not... Sort of like Brock Lesnar in WWE. Yeah. They don't let him talk that much. Don't let him talk, but let him stare you down, and that's perfect. But it might work to have him be more of a human being now that he has aged significantly. But, I mean, at the same time, watching those Expendable movies, I mean, he still doesn't create... He's still Dolph Lundgren. (laughs) Yeah, which is weird because apparently he is a super smart guy. Like, I've heard that he's like like a, a certified genius. Okay. Yeah. But so, that doesn't maybe translate no 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 I mean, that doesn't necessarily but, but as an academic right. he's a very smart man yeah um, but as a movie star like I remember Stallone there was this story about Stallone visiting the set of Masters of the Universe and he was watching one sequence and he went to one of the producers and said you gave that guy lines oh yeah right I've heard that too yeah yeah no I know I think it should be cool how it's kind of mirroring um, the Rocky films and and how they're going to play that out and I mean there obviously is that. I mean, we'll get into it when we um when we watch the rock the other Rocky movies. But what happens there, and and they allude to that in the trailer of like if if this is about revenge or 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 just like why he wants to take this fight with the son of the the man who killed his father. Right. Um, well, it's the it's the ultimate rematch in a way. Yeah. Like you know, we we'll talk about Rocky Four as as we move on, um in in the Rocky series. But it's interesting because. This was at a point in, in in Apollo's life where he was kind of losing notoriety as a actual fighter, and this was a spectacle match, mm-hmm. like an exhibition, an match. exhibition match for 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 him. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see how this match plays out in in the movie, and whether or not it's it's spectacle, or I mean, it's, I'm sure it's going to be marketed as an exhibition match, but. To me, like it feels like part of it is going to be for the people watching in this movie as a, an exhibition match, but as a rematch, as a revenge match, this is going to be very personal. Mm-hmm. No, it looks cool, man. I thought the the trailer was uh, was pretty dope. Yeah. Um, I I mean, uh, yeah. When I heard Kugler wasn't coming back, I'm like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, but, um, but everybody else for the most part is like it's yeah. it's also great to see that Tessa Thompson's name comes up as well. Right. Um, and and especially again like. It, the movie in through the trailers hints that he has more to lose because now he he's a father himself and you know it, will history repeat itself mm-hmm. um moving on i think we maybe let's talk some comic book trailers because i know we're going to talk about a little bit of uh both from a marvel and 20th century fox uh standpoint in the news uh segment but uh we got new trailers for both captain marvel and uh the new x-men film dark phoenix yes um let's go into captain marvel first um what's your read on the teaser uh for that did you like it or i know you're like you You've come around on Marvel a little bit, I've noticed. Well, since since Phase 3, I would yeah. say I've, I've come around more so than anything else because they're actually now bringing in 
interesting filmmakers to right. to I mean not that it's always going to be 100% their movie but at least some of their voice or their style comes through and I think the first one I really took notice of that was Iron Man 3 and you really felt that it was you know Shane Black's dialogue you know being spoken by Marvel characters which was kind of interesting um with Captain Marvel I would like to see more mm-hmm. I would like to yeah, see I'm a full trailer I kind of I didn't dislike the tr- the teaser but it I felt didn't... very um paint by numbers i use that phrase way too often but like well i was just exactly reminded like... a lot of green lantern yeah and that was my biggest problem just in terms of like the costuming sure. stuff and i think they were trying maybe a little too hard in this teaser to emphasize the early 90s with the blockbuster video i like thing. that though i don't, I don't know, mind like... it but i don't like it when it's used just to be like hey it's gonna be taking but place would in you the 90s. Rather... look at clark Gregg's hair piece yeah but would you rather them a big title card that says 1990 something in in i rather it be a big title or... card that says mid 90s and then it goes to yeah. jonah hill's film <laughs> I, um, I don't know but i like that i actually rather have the title card because really? i think the title card could be fun if it's done in a, like if the text and, is done but in i think we still way. will get that but what i'm yeah. talking about when you're setting up a trailer i think that's a fun way of going yes this is the 90s here's that kind right. of nostalgic thing that like but it still feels like it falls into a marvel trailer like i would have actually rather them done something really weird with it and like had like way way back in the mid 90s this happened like i think that it could have been more playful sure and And i think i think in the movie you will see that it is more playful like i have a good feeling that this was a very kind of by the books Marvel trailer of like here you don't know much about this character here's right. Sam Jackson doing a voiceover and he, yes it's, it's de-aged Sam Jackson yeah Nick with, Fury with two eyes and you have Clark Gregg playing Agent Coulson with his with his hair piece and like I, I feel like it was very much like you don't know much about this character so we kind of have to give you this and then we'll kind of show you what the movie really is later right like I don't know if it's going to be I think it's going to be much funnier than we than that trailer kind of alludes to and um, or it could just fall into a conventional Marvel movie I mean as much as I liked half Nelson and sugar I think Ryan Fleck and Ann Bowden as filmmakers are kind of a, a, a competent drama based like they, they they find interesting sort of little moments within character dynamics sure but i don't know how they'll play in a marvel world meaning you know will their voice will there be anything to add to it that, that, right. that they them specifically can add and i don't know if they necessarily will but i don't know if every marvel director needs to have that right but like I almost wanted a Top Gun movie. Like, from the trailer, like, the bits that I did kind of enjoy, I was thinking, oh, maybe they should have added, like, you know, like, a Kenny Loggins, you know, song And you might get that, though. Like, it might be more playful than it's alluding to, especially after Infinity War and things like that. Maybe they have to play up the seriousness and things of it. And um, Because the scrolls are a part of this as well, and you didn't really get a sense of that. And I think Ben Mendelsohn's playing one of the scrolls. Yeah. Um, And then you have Jude Law. Yeah, yeah. And then Jude Law is, like, one of... So the Kree are the the race that we've seen before from Avengers and working with Thanos and stuff yeah, like that. They're like the green lizard thing. Yeah, and then the Skrulls are the shapeshifters. Right. So, which were supposed to be in the Avengers, but, but they because didn't they didn't they have the, the rights, rights to, to it, them. But yeah. now they do. But um that's why you see her probably punch an old lady in that trailer. Right. Which became a meme where she's like on the bus and she just like cold clocks that that grandma. Um, which is funny out of context if you don't know right. why she's probably doing that. Right? But you know who did it better? Austin Powers. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what, what this woman's a man, baby. What I think is interesting is is I think it's genius having them set it in the '90s, especially after Infinity War. Of kind oh of shit, it is Austin where, Powers. Uh, yeah. Um, and then I. I don't know, and, and introducing the the scrolls and, and the shape shifting aspect of everything, and how uh, there's that whole Marvel storyline about the scrolls of how they've been here for so long, and like people that you might have thought were uh, people were just. Oh, so this is going to be a Hydra thing, isn't like, it, it again? Could, it where... could be that man, like, and I I don't know if they'll go this route, but they could have been like, well, this person was a scroll the whole time, and and things like that, right? Where you do you think Skrillex um, was a scroll? Hawkeye was a scroll the whole time. <laughs> um, that's where he's been. But um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm excited for it. Oh, that's going to be bad. I, 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 like, if they bring in, like, if they decide to, like... I mean, I don't care if it's someone like Colby Smolders is like, oh, she was a scroll the whole time. But, like, if they decide to retcon, you know, like, Nick Fury as a scroll, like, that's going to be really lame. Yeah. But <laughs> I well, hope it's not. I hope it's not someone as... Like you're retconning things, and that person didn't know that they were playing a bad guy the whole time. I guess they'll kind of do it almost as a Loki kind of thing, where he was like the what? What were the ice people called? Yeah, the um. Why am I blanking? I don't know. You're the comic Thor, book man. Thor one and two have just blanked it on my. But you know what I'm saying? Mind. Where it's like actually he's you know yeah. of this like he's not an Asgardian, but he is an adopted Asgardian, and like yeah. his backstory maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll be something with like one of those characters. Maybe Jude Law will reveal himself later on. Is mm-hmm. it? Screelex. But no, I'm excited nonetheless, <laughs> just because, I mean, any MCU movie. I'm, I'm actually probably more excited than this for than Ant-Man, like the the most recent Ant-Man yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, give or um, take. I, I, I think with after Black Panther, for me, they've they've peaked. Right. Because um, I, I, I didn't hate uh, Infinity War, but I wasn't blown away by it because it doesn't, it, yeah. it doesn't treat death the way I think any other but movie would. But I think would. you can't. I don't know. Until you see what they do with that, I think you can't just assume. Right, but they... at the same time, for 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 where we stand now, without seeing the second half, I totally agree. Like, I think it's two parts of one whole. Yeah. But you do know at least something like Spider Man's coming back. Sure, but I mean, in the context of the movie, you don't. So I feel like you. I get that you're 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 taking back, going okay. Well, they're shooting the next Spider Man movie right now, so of course he's coming back. But right. I feel like if there's still. To me, that shit doesn't matter because, in the sense that it's about how the characters react to that, and to them, that de- those deaths are real. And, and I know, but anything, it doesn't mean like, anything to me because I'm sure. thinking they're going to be coming back unless they decide to. But then be brave be- enough and say, "Hey, let's not have Black Panther come back, or let's not have one of these big guys come back." But I mean, back. even if they do, it's how they do it. I right. think, and I don't think that takes away from the ending of Infinity War. Like to me, I I know how comic books work, and I know. 90 percent they'll kill off some of those characters and they'll stay dead or however they do it whether it's the, a time jump or time travel and 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 however they do it i'm waiting for that but i still feel in the in the way that the ballsy ending of infinity war i just i don't know i i really thought it did work really really well and and that it was surprising and even if they do go back and save most of those characters then that's in that next movie how they do that and i will judge that aspect of right it. i'm not saying you're wrong for no no that, no i know but but, it, like, but at the same time me, what happens if they do save all of those characters in part two how does that look on infinity war because then it's like well then that but then it's part of those characters ju- no it, to me that's still part of those characters journeys they had to go back and save those people so it's still impactful to the characters in the movie because to them they don't automatically go, well, we're going to save these people, and I know that they're coming back. Sure, as an audience, when you take yourself and you break 
that wall down and you know that it's a fucking comic book movie of course they're not going to kill black panther and spider-man and like right and things like that then then sure but to me it's about how does it make those characters feel and how they react to it and they built 18 movies leading up into that so of course tony and 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 steve and and thor and stuff and how they react and and how people react in that moment those deaths are just as real as as anything and imagine if half the population of earth and then the universe died and i think it'll be really cool to see how all those characters react to that and even right. though we know ultimately that Yes, of course fucking Spider-Man's not dead and of course Black Panther's not dead. But that's dead. my problem and with it because when 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 Peter has that emotional moment and when he's when he's dying or I still think it's effective though. I I don't because I know he's coming back and it doesn't mean anything. But it's just like you talk about with um spoilers of going like, "Oh, I don't care if something gets spoiled because it's about how they get there." Right. It's then the destination me, it's, it's the it's, yeah. it's the the destination or the journey itself to experience it. So I still it. think that can be impactful because the way that it how that makes peter feel and how that makes tony feel is genuine and sure for the characters yes but i'm watching those characters have those emotions and my emotion to those characters having those emotions are okay well they're not really dying it doesn't really mean anything because in in comic book movies and a lot of them not all of them but a, a lot and in this it doesn't mean anything yet so if you know something happens where some of those characters that i've become fond of over the years do perish or do continue to stay dead are dead then i think that will have more weight on infinity war as as a whole like i think we need to look at it as a as a whole it's i agree the same thing with like the, the star war movies right like mm-hmm. some of those plot lines that are that are still dangling will decide sort of how you look at that series as a whole. Oh, I agree, and I'm not saying either of us are right or wrong. No, no, because... no. I'm just saying I wish I had more of an emotional investment yeah. in that ending, but I don't because, again, like I think that the writers and 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 Marvel Studios play with death that the way that they play, you know, with with the reboot. You know, like it's like okay, well, we can always you know either remake this or redo this or bring in new people to replace that person. And you know, like look at with with Spider Man, you know, Uncle Uncle Ben's death has has little to no meaning because it's almost a joke now. If, if anything else, like how many times do we have to watch the same or or Batman's parents for DC? You know, how many times do we have to watch them die to get the point that this is the thing that triggered them to become the characters who they are? And in this case, you know, does this death or this emotional moment really mean anything? For for people that have either that are adults, because I know kids will have a different perspective of this. Like I I saw that like children totally were, agree, were, yeah. were disturbed and 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 crying and, and like that works, but they don't understand the marketing of it and what's really going right. on. But because we are savvy movie people, we have to look at it. Well, mm-hmm. does this mean anything? Yeah, and I take it for. I don't know. We just have different perspectives, right? On that right. Because, which is that's what's great about movies, right. and um, where I think spoiler alert: the death of Michael B. Jordan's character in Black Panther at the end with the with the sunrise, yeah, is amazing. Was beautiful, and yeah. and it kind of feels. I don't know if it's it's if he'll pop up again in some other way, but it did feel like a, a, a definitive conclusion to mm-hmm. his character. And all I'm saying is that I I have tried to remove myself from seeing some of that how the cogs work thing right of like yes again we know that some of these characters are coming back but i'm more interested now of going okay how are they bringing them back and i still feel like if i didn't know 
I try to remove myself and go, okay, I'm, I'm going to try and see the story for what it is and not and remove myself of going, of course, they're bringing those people back. And like, again, and, and the world building and the character building leading up to that moment of Peter having that reaction with Tony or um, people or people seeing Black Panther disintegrate in front of them in Wakanda in at the end of Infinity War. And, um, and as much as I, I'm curious of how they will bring them back, and I know that they probably will, I don't know, I just... For me, it still really worked, and it was shocking because you went, oh, they went there, and now they do have to figure out a way because it could be so easy to fuck up because I'm on your side of, like, once you see that other side of it of how they retcon everything and bring people back, will it feel like a cop-out? But I'm not there yet in the sense of, like, I will give them the benefit of the doubt of going, I will take that ending for what it is, and then I will see how you deal with it, and if it's interesting later, then perfect, but it's so easy to go, well, fuck you, you just, like, then that's stupid, like, why did you do that if you just, like, did something, but if the journey there of going, okay, they, like, the rumors are that they might do a big time jump, like, it might Which they kind of did that with Empire Strikes Back, right, where, like, you had him being frozen in carbonite, and then... Return right, and you knew Han Solo was gonna come back. Right, but, but well, maybe not, because at that point... Series and franchises weren't the same thing that they are now, but you did have a sense that probably Harrison Ford would be back for the third film. But the time jump in 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 that film is interesting because you're brought right on right back to Tatooine, right, and and with with Jabba the Hutt, and and you don't know how long that he's kind of been standing on that palace uh, uh, wall. So it, it it's interesting in, in that regard as well, with the obvious comparison being like that. But I don't know if it's necessarily like I felt the same way but i do see in terms of the style of what the marvel movies are doing in terms of like that kind of very uh, almost tv like quality where it will jump like you know so many months later and you're gonna see like new dynamics between characters like you know is rocket gonna be teaming up with captain america are they gonna be like a duo or something like that or you know thor and and somebody else like like how how do these Fractions. I think that's the smartest way of doing it, though. Right? I ag- like, I agree, and that might be interesting. I might I I would be curious to see like how these have personalities to. work together because I think that was this, the greatest strength of Infinity Wars. Watching you yeah. know Tony and Doctor Strange, you know, in spar space off. with it, yeah, yeah, and, and, and seeing different groups work together and not well, they work put together, together like little mini teams. Yeah, right? and, and and that could really work if you push that timeline a little further down and see like oh well, great to see Rocket and uh, you know the Hulk hanging out or, or what have you or or to- like i mean tony's left with with only nebula like how is that right gonna, how do they get back to yeah Earth yeah and, like... and how did their relationship work because nebula is not my favorite character in the world but then tony stark's one of those well, people he's stranded in space for five years and yeah and, and what's her name thinks he's dead and will he everyone... have like an even longer goatee like will it stretch down to like his... that's the stuff that i'm fascinated with and i can't wait to see and we've seen i don't want to get too much into the set leaked set photos and stuff like that because who knows what the hell any of that means but I don't know, man. I, I Rhodes Mary's uh, pots. Yeah, <laughs> I, I Tony. We thought you were dead. I loved it, and I'm excited. We went off on a tangent there because of Captain Marvel, but um, who cares? Um, but now moving over to the X Men. Yes, we could get into a whole other thing of what's going to go on there. But you watched the Dark Phoenix trailer. We were I did. both talking because it was late on. It was on like, James Corden's yeah, show which that is like I think at it fucking premiered. one in the morning here. Not worth like it, by the way. Not worth staying no. up for. I mean, was it? I don't know what we were expecting, but it pretty much looks like that. I think it, it looks like, better than Apocalypse. The, well, for the teaser that we're given, sure, why not? But I, I, I think why we stayed up for it was because we were fascinated 
to know what this thing was going to look like because we've heard all the rumors about, you know, the reshoots and whether or not this movie was even going to be released because it was, you know, Fox's last big production before going before reverting to uh, Disney after that buyout. So, you know, like, are they going to shelve it? Are they going to keep it? I mean, they're still apparently releasing New Mutants in August, so um, we'll see. But in terms of like a you know, revising of the Dark Phoenix storyline. I'm hoping that it'll be better than both Apocalypse and X-Men The Last Stand. From that trailer, all I really got was that, again, Magneto and Xavier are kind of split, butting heads. He's hiding out somewhere. Somewhere. He has to come back and put his helmet on again. Yeah. um, They jumped jumped 10 years. Right. There's some... (laughs) mention or reference that maybe jessica chastain's character is from space Uh, is an alien of some sort an alien mutant um although a lot of people suspected that she may be even playing a new version of mr sinister so um and there's really nothing of her in the trailer it's like one scene um but yeah i mean i'm 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 down for it just because i like the actors in the role and again i like the chemistry are we at that point now that we just like I almost wish they just killed it. <laughs> well, I think this is going to be the end. Well, this end. is the end. Well, the song and the yeah. trailer. This is the end. <laughs> the end, my yeah. friend. The, by the doors. Um, um, but yeah, like I, I, I think what's going to happen now is like this will be the definitive ending for these characters and these actors because I think most of their contracts are up. This is Simon Kilberg's Kinberg's Kinberg, Kinberg's yeah. first direct this but is he's been part of the franchise but yeah since. so he knows what he's doing even though brian singer is still a producer on this as well which is problematic um so i think that if they can at least maybe go out on a fun note they moved it it was supposed to come out in february now it's coming out to june um we'll see i i want to believe in it because i like the x-men movies overall um i never want to think oh we're always going to get you know, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Um, But it does make me wonder where, you know, the introduction of new mutants will end up in terms of, like, does that just get erased as well? And Deadpool. I mean, Deadpool's the other thing now where it's like there's a PG-13 version coming out this December. No, 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 I know, I know. But in terms of, like, so does that continuity change or does it stay the same? Because they do reference the, the current... Uh, administration in the Xavier. I think home. that's easy to change, but we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But like, um, yeah, I'm kind of like I watched it, and it, it again, it looks like uh, an X Men movie that's taking place in the first class universe. And again, I'm with you that I love all the actors involved. I just I'm at a point now where I'm like, do we need this? And like, it is pretty much seeing the same thing over and over and over again. This could like. be Michael Fassbender's last um, movie. For a while, anyways, yeah. because now he's become a formula race driver. <laughs> well, we'll see. Well, he's yeah. not doing anything right yeah. now. I mean, after the snowman, I mean. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and I mean, it's the same thing. You see Magneto come back. He puts together the Brotherhood of Mutants almost, which, and then you see Beast looks like he switches sides. And it almost looks like Mystique might die or something like that because right. she's not seen in some of the funeral scenes. And, like, um, I don't know. It just feels like it's the same thing of, like, and I, I, I can't wait for if there's a silver lining to Disney putting a bunch of people out of jobs by buying Fox is just like seeing what they're going to do with that. And if it will just feel recycled and the same thing over and again, or if they'll do something different, but I don't know. We'll see. So yeah, it didn't do much for me either, but I thought the trailer was fine. It's just like, 
I don't know if I need this. So um. I I agree. I mean, I'm I'm happy that it is seeing the light of day. Like I thought that those Twitter rumors and and online rumors saying that oh it might be shelved entirely and never be released was kind of a little disappointing. Dude, I think we're gonna hear that come back like in early next year once the deal goes through. Because now that it's pushed, but. What do you mean? Let's what talk, do you mean? We'll talk about that. In a oh, second. you mean? Did you mean like that? It's that it's going to well, once be... Disney finally takes control of Fox, that will be before that movie comes out now because okay. it looks like it's going to close. Right. In the, so now, well, let's we'll talk. Get, about, we'll get there. Let's we'll come about. back. Let's to go it. To, through some more trailers quickly, and then we'll go into the news. So. Out of anything else I talked about, what do you want to talk about? Holmes and Watson? <laughs> sure, why not? I saw this trailer back in, uh, yeah. in, in April, March. Yeah, because they had press so, event, yeah, right? so pre- Sony had a press event for um, their 2018-2019 reel, and they, this was one of the trailers. They also showed footage from, or not really footage, it was a slideshow presentation of Once Upon a Time of Hollywood with um, headshots of DiCaprio and Brad Pitt and Quentin Tarantino. Um, but this, they showed the full trailer, and this was the trailer that they released online, and it looks extra- <laughs> so stupid. But the kind of the the chemistry between John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, I think, is going to be enough of a selling point. And then, if you have people like Ray Fiennes, who's playing Moriarty in it, you know, play it completely straight, I think that's going to help. I think the two bits that work the best for me, or I laughed at both times watching the trailer, um, is. Uh, the mustache disguise bit and the uh, <laughs> would you like some heroin line? <laughs> yeah. No, the dumber it is, the the funnier it is. Really, like yeah. I don't love some of the more um, modern, like the, the selfie, selfie joke yeah. and stuff like that. Like that, I don't love as much as them just being fucking idiots. Like yeah. just playing their stepbrothers' characters or their Talladega Knights characters, but as Sherlock Holmes and Watson yeah. and um, a lady doctor. <laughs> yeah. Would you like some heroin? <laughs> Um, so I don't know, like I, I'm totally on board for this. It looks dumb as hell. Um, and it might be a good palate cleanser for some of the awards films and the serious stuff that you see this winter. Like it, it's just a nice kind of diversion from, from that where it's like, you just turn off your brain, enjoy it for what it is kind of movie. And, and I don't think Aquaman's necessarily going to be that film. So mm. yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent with, there's not much more to talk about. It does look like a it rounds out the John C. Riley Will Ferrell trilogy of very weird. Yeah, <laughs> like, but Adam McKay um, did not direct this. Yes, which is the one outlier. It's um, is it Ethan Cohen? Yeah, but it's spelt uh, E T A N. It's the guy who did Get Hard. Yeah, um, which wasn't very good. No, but I I think the chemistry between these two guys, you'll still get a vibe that's very similar to those two other movies. Well, you'd right? hope so. And yeah. it's got a good supporting cast. I mean, yeah. Rebecca Hall and Hugh Laurie are also in it. And as mentioned, Ray Fiennes, which you can't go wrong with him in, in anything. Yeah. So, um, Especially in a villain role. Yeah, and I, and I kind of like that they are putting these two American actors amongst all these, you know, seasoned well, British that's part veterans. of the joke, yeah, think, yeah. right? And they're bad accents. And yeah. they're just like, it's just, it's it's... It's exactly the type of shit I'll need in December right. in all these awards films of just going, okay, let's watch something really dumb for the next hour and a half, two hours. Who are you? I don't know who you are. <laughs> Watson, it's me. <laughs> it's great. It's really, really good. Um, other than that, I think we can probably move on. I, I mean, Ray Fiennes, speaking of Voldemort, that there's the, the new... Well, also Jude Law as well with Captain and, Marvel. Right. Uh, uh, Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald. We got a new trailer, which I thought was actually quite good. Except... Um, um, 
Johnny oh, yeah. Depp is still in the movie. That's, but he's almost... I was talking about this with you and I think with Nevis as well. Is like, that's shit and I wish it was someone else. Well, it's not even um, just that. It's how both J.K. Rowling and David Yates are handling like, the yeah. situation. They're just kind of saying, well, he's never acted that way with me and I've never seen any bad behavior. So automatically, he's a good guy. Well, yeah. And they're basically like, well, they handled it in outside of court, right? Amber Heard and, and Johnny Depp and, and their differences. And they're like, well, he says it went down this way and we believe him and we think he's he's a good guy because he's never acted out with us but then there was that whole did you read that gigantic was it gq or maxim or something i think it was gq and it was kind of the one who was like oh he's kind of like sunk now yeah and it was just very weird it was very long but like and he gets his lines fed anyways we don't need to go on a johnny depp tangent but like it yeah he's the kind of cringy thing in the whole thing although he is playing the villain i mean it works for the villain but at the same time it's like i'd rather just have colin farrell yeah or someone else (laughs) like anyone else like i just you could have had it be a different actor but why the fuck does it need to be johnny depp you could have recasted him for this movie right like he was in one scene in the last one and well even the casting then at that point like it was very like it was in very controversial territory like it wasn't like he was still a name at this point like i mean the pirate movies have now sunk the the like his whole career kind of seems to be um at this standstill so like why did you go with him i don't know but other than that i thought it was actually a really well put together trailer that i uh, like um I i'm don't down know. for the movie i'm down for the idea of each film will take place in a different country or continent mm-hmm. um i i am looking forward to the one that might be in japan which is supposedly the, next, the, one, the right? next one so like I, I and i don't mind this as a spin-off to be a placeholder for until they the, ultimately make that play into a movie yeah right? or or they want to continue harry potter's franchise when they're in their 40s or 50s you know that's gonna happen it's gonna happen <laughs> it will it will and it'll be their kids that that are a big part of the new universe because I mean it's too big of a franchise not just as the movies but as you know books and theme parks and and everything in between to stop to, yeah. yeah to stop and, you'd and be killing a cash cow they'll bring back the original cast they're basically just killing time until they're old enough yeah. so um so I think this is a good way of doing prequels that are I think as you'll see them go on they'll tie more and more into the original Harry Potter movie well they so already like, have with this trailer right with, with uh, Nick, Nick, Nigiri. Nigiri, yeah. <laughs> um, which just reminds me of sushi every right. time that uh, they talk about it. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was really cool. That was a reveal I don't think many people were expecting. And um, and I just think it's... Played by it, Claudia Kim. Right? Yeah, and then it's um, way more action-focused than I thought it was going to be. And it seems like there's way more action than we usually get in a Harry Potter movie or right. a, a Wizarding World movie or whatever you want to talk about. And I was, I was soft on Fantastic Beasts, the first one. I didn't hate it, but... I think I loved the world building and the creatures but, themselves. And the creatures, and I, I, I'm with you of going like I like the aspect of expanding this wizarding world across a globe trotting, yeah, and like and seeing how they not just in the UK but in the US and Japan and how each country deals with these. Uh, with this wizarding world and right. i think that, and it's diversity too yeah. like you don't just get generic white british people yeah you get to see how the world handles the the world of wizarding yeah and i think that's really cool and i think this is doing a good job of bringing you back to uh the uk and and showing you hogwarts and dumbledore and i think we'll eventually get into tom riddle and and, and voldemort later as the series goes on they move away from grundlewad um <laughs> even the like, character's name sounds pathetic yeah i think they will eventually move away from and get rid of johnny depp 
soon. I hope so. Uh, and they'll move into probably a young Tom Riddle and, and his story. Um, yeah, get I a good so. up-and-coming actor yeah. to play that character. Which and I know they've already had a young role. actor play a young Tom Riddle, but yeah. that's fine. I think you could get someone else to play it. Ray Fiennes and, comes back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Uh, uh, I think that could be cool and exploring... I mean, then you're getting into the Star Wars prequels thing of like the right. <laughs> uh, well, um, spoiler alert: does does Voldemort go just go by Bull? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. It, it, that could be interesting. But I, I actually really dug the the music in this trailer, and I thought that the the it, it just looked really really solid. So I'm actually kind of more excited for it than I uh, thought I would be. I, I am too. I do wonder though, creatively not not that I I'm not looking forward to this, and it doesn't look good. And I actually kind of did dig. Uh, Fantastic Beasts, even though I, I did have problems with it. It's not as good as some of the Harry Potter movies, but I do wonder, creatively speaking, if David Yates is satisfied, because it right. like, just seems like he's directing these. He directed the Tarzan film with um, Alexander Skarsgård Which didn't and really work out. Margot Robbie. It did well internationally, but here it didn't do that well. But, I mean, just, like, him coming back to these movies over and over again, and I, and I worry about that because I don't want to see that on screen i want to see an excitement and in an engagement and i want to see maybe new voices take over at some point in directing these movies and see a fresh perspective where he's already directed what like four or five of these things he did the last four didn't he yeah and then he did two of these now sorry i have goldfish I was, he's I munching on those goldfish every time baby. eric talks i mute my microphone and put goldfish but you finished too early because you know i ramble usually but yeah. i was just yeah i'm just asking like I, I want to see the best version of these on screen, and I don't want to see like some filmmaker just phone, phone it, it in, in and yeah. be completely tired or washing their hands of it. Like if you can give this to somebody else that might want to do something with it, that's exciting. Why not? Kind of like Bumblebee. Right. I thought you were going to say <laughs> the Eternals, but uh, hey. No. Uh, kind of exactly what you're talking about there. Moving on to we'll do uh, this last one, and then we can skip the other trailers. We'll talk about them another time. But, right. Um. I think you made a perfect point there of, I think, which is exactly why I'm sort of excited for Bumblebee and the new trailer came out for that. And, um, I thought it was like a great trailer and like, um, we're finally getting a Transformers movie that's not directed by Michael Bay, although he is producing it. Yes. Correct. It's directed by um, Travis Knight, who is, uh, Kubo. the director of Kubo and the four strings, but also works for that company. Uh, Leica, he's yeah. one of the the heads of that that uh, production company, and it's it's interesting because they have the missing link coming up in in April, I think next year as well, which is their um, abominable snowman yeah. Bigfoot movie. <laughs> so hope it's better than the Smallfoot. Um, but yeah, like the thing that I've noticed with both the teaser and the trailer is it's less noisy. It's it's less there's less visuals to bombard you with. It's Not clean vomiting metal. <laughs> it's clean. It's calm. It feels like there's a real story being told here, which, I mean, it's ripping off E.T., obviously. You can sure. tell that. But, I mean, it, it, it's not noisy. There's no noise pollution No, even when you see the Transformers and Bumblebee. And, oh, the and retro the Transformers? Was, oh, my God, it's awesome. But, like, even um, when Bumblebee is, is actually transforming, it looks more cohesive yeah. and not just a bunch of, like, spiky metal garbage, like, spinning around and just changing into something. Like... It feels how I remember playing with Transformers toys when I was younger, where they're big blocks and you can kind of actually see how they're... The mechanics of it, yeah. And it it feels 
more believable, I guess, and and to your point, less noisy or less just nonsensical or just right. like um and, the, and even the editing in the trailer, it's not like you know like three seconds between cuts. Yeah. Like it feels like we're actually seeing. seeing what's going on within the frame, within the action. And, and yes, this is a hundred percent shitting on Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, totally. And on top of all that, it feels like the actors are actually going to be given something to do. Like Haley Steinfeld's one of those people where I keep underrating her every yeah. time. Like if you haven't seen The Edge of Seventeen yet. Do so. And um, True Grit, too. Yeah, and True... Well, obviously, True Grit. But, like, it just seems like she has a good idea of what works for her and, and does it well. And, like... And then she makes hip-hop songs. Right, which is times. very weird. And it goes to show how great of an actress she is because the performance that she gave in The Edge of Seventeen is so quiet and understated and, 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 and you know, compared to her real-life persona, yeah. it's completely the opposite. But it's believable. So. Yeah, and then even seeing someone like John Cena pop up, right. which is <laughs> right. going to be funny. It's, he's the, sort of the villain, right? I guess, I think. but, he, but like... he doesn't, but even in the trailer... Well, the it, human villain, but I think But he doesn't show to... him as just a villain. It shows him as somebody that's trying to maybe do the right thing or what he thinks is the well, right thing to protect. because it's an alien invading like, yeah. Earth. Like, he doesn't know any better, right? Where I'm sure that will... Like, he doesn't have a mustache. You, and he's... you know there's going to be a turn at the end, so, like, if they're trying to turn this into a franchise, too, which they like, will um, and i like the 80s setting as well man, I think and then work. going into what you said before like the 80s style transformers designs which they've kind of perfectly adapted into these screen versions like you see optimus prime with the red and the blue like 80s style fire truck optimus prime and, it's and i think awesome. travis knight knows this and realizes and he's a we, fan yeah too. and we've got to go back to what made transformers so iconic in yeah. in the 80s and early 90s and 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 why kids love them and why the kids that grew up now want to take their kids to go see these movies yeah and it has like a blockier more colorful style i think to it or at least colorful in a way where it pops a little bit yeah. more because they're more solid oh it's colors. gonna look so like, good on 4k um it's dude it looks great and again coming from an animation style background and a studio that actually tells like close to Pixar in the way that they tell great stories on top of having great animation. And um, I think he's the perfect choice to kind of finally make a Transformers movie that isn't just vomit. Right. <laughs> like, it just, like, or gives um, you a headache. Like, that's yeah. the only thing it does. Because I remember with uh, The Last Night, the the final Michael Bay-directed movie so far in the, in the series... There were moments where I felt like I wanted to have an out of body experience, yeah, I mean, and I, I just saw it with to, you, didn't I? And I no, I think you, I think you saw it afterwards because I think I saw oh. it by myself oh, I don't know. because I had a headache afterwards. But during the whole movie, it's like I just want to get up and leave, and I can't because I was doing it for for Rogers. So you know, I stuck it out and watched the movie. But there was that there were moments where it was like I questioned watching movies altogether. <laughs> That's what that franchise. I had the existential crisis watching the. Uh, I'll never forget Transformer falling movies. asleep in the second one. Um, yeah. in IMAX. And Mark Wahlberg's like, Cade Yeager. Hey guys, <laughs> he's a scientist, man. Um, yeah, so they should have called him Yeager Bomb. But even seeing like, uh, uh, it's not. What's the one that shoots out the? Uh, I forget all the Transformers. Um, uh, Soundwave. Soundwave. Was yeah, it Shockwave? Shockwave or Soundwave? But like, I, I'm, I'm lacking on my transformers knowledge i miss right cup now, but, where's cup at yeah but like it's just all the designs are so cool and like um i'm hoping that it's good yeah well i'm so, gonna rewatch the uh the animated movie oh, i thought beforehand. you were saying you're gonna rewatch all the no michael bay movies but <laughs> hell no yeah are they re-releasing it soon or something well they, or? they it's on blu-ray now um through uh shout factory they released it a couple years ago you got the touch yeah and it's got the Stan Bush soundtrack, Weird Al's on it too, 
Um, yeah, I would like oh, and to... Vince DiCola does the score, who did the score for Rocky IV. Oh, awesome. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, I know, I'm weirdly... Oh, and it was uh, Orson Welles' last movie as well, because he plays Unicron. Amazing. Yeah. Um, we and he's phoning that. it in. It's funny. You should read some of the things he says about it, because he was, he was near death at this point. Yeah. And he's like, I play some planet that does something and eats them, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about Orson Welles in the next couple weeks. Um, yep. so As yeah. Unicron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and then there was a new Ralph Breaks the Internet trailer, The Grinch, which looks, uh, I mean, why? It looks um, like what you would expect a new CGI animated Grinch movie from the company, Illumination? Yeah, that does. The, I want to call it Illuminati. <laughs> you know there's going to be some fucking minion in that movie or some shit. Oh yeah, or it'll be it'll be a, a Christmas ornament. Yeah, probably. There'll be an Easter egg there, but I, I don't know. I'll see it, but I, I, like, I like it. Having I, I think movies. Benedict Cumberbatch, it, it, it's, it's weird because I saw the trailer and it sounds like he's doing something different with his voice um and and i'm not i don't think he's impersonating boris karloff either i think he actually sounds like he's trying to maybe like repress some of the britishness and i don't think that that's needed i think his voice is fine the way it is for this kind of character yeah no one knows what a oh matt's playing with his mic sorry did i fuck this up no it's working um <laughs> let me keep eating goldfish Whatever. Mike, uh, Matt um, loves to eat those uh, goldfish while playing with his mic. Um, yeah, like, who knows what they're supposed to sound like anyway, so why not just make them right. sort of British, but whatever. Um, yeah, we'll see. Next week, though, we are getting trailers for Adam McKay's Vice. Which was officially announced that it's opening on Christmas Day and that it is called Vice because the original working title was Backseat. Yes, uh, so we'll get that trailer next week as well as... Christian Bale plays the dick, yeah. Dick Cheney. <laughs> and then we'll get a trailer for um, Rocketman, which is the um, Elton John biopic. Now, is it just me, or does that feel like that movie just came out of like nowhere really quickly? Right. Because I know they've been trying to make this thing for a while now with Tom Hardy as, yeah. as Elton John, and now they have... Um, Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton from the Kingsman's movies, and Dexter Fletcher, who went right from cleaning up Bohemian Rhapsody to doing this. <laughs> which is interesting. Right. Yeah, and like, he's not getting any. He's getting executive producer credit, I think, for Bohemian. Oh, I thought he's getting co-director. Is or he? a singer getting? Oh no, he didn't. Yeah, no, because you're thinking only... of Four Realms, yes, the Nutcracker yes. movie, where Joe Johnson and uh, Lassie Holstrom. Singer got... is getting full credit for Rhapsody, yes. right? Yeah, because yeah. he shot the last two weeks worth of footage, I think, for yeah. for production, and then yeah, so he Dexter Flesher went right on to do this. That's crazy. Um, and then I think there's supposed to be, speaking of Spider-Man, a new Into the Spider-Verse uh, trailer next week. So I'm excited to see that. that Nick Cage. Uh, that art style. Yeah, playing Spider-Man Noir, which is awesome. And uh, that looks really, really great. we got to watch Mandy. Um, yeah, we do. We should talk about that. Maybe for next week. Or during um, for one of our Halloween episodes. Because yeah. it is genre-oriented. Yeah, let's do that. Um, all right. We'll quickly... Wow, fuck. We're an hour and 40 in and we just getting to the news and we still have a simple favor. Well, we can skim um, through the news. Yeah, we'll go quickly through it. Um, so coming off what we talked about before, um, uh, it was announced that, uh, Chloe Zhao, who directed, uh, the writer, the writer a few years ago, uh, was hired by Marvel studios to direct, uh, the Eternals, which is probably going to be part of phase four, although we don't really know. It hasn't, what's, the, 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 the announced four five. I don't even know. I thought four, it was four. Right? They're finishing three. Three. Right yes. Now. Doesn't three end with the next infinity war yeah, movie yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they're going to go into four. They haven't officially announced the timeline yet, right? but this 
director being announced, she directed the writer that came out this year theatrically. It played at festivals the year before. Um, is very encouraging, again, for getting different perspectives and different styles of filmmaking. Although it's it's interesting because the writer is a very naturalistic yeah. piece of, of movie making where you kind of live in the world of the main character uh, played by uh, uh, Brody uh, Jandry and and sort of the, the world of a, a rodeo cowboy mm-hmm. type sort of recovering from, from his traumatic accident. And it makes me wonder what she'll be able to apply or bring to a Marvel movie that is her voice and not just, you know, Kevin Feige and the other producers at Marvel saying this is the kind of film you have to make or this is the, you know, within the blueprints of the Marvel universe, the piece of the puzzle that you're given. So I'm I'm very curious about it. I'm very happy for her because at, at the very least, if the movie is successful, hopefully it will show other filmmakers or other producers. Her into yeah, it. and to get her to make what she wants to go and make. Yeah, well, I still think she probably obviously wanted to make this, but but you know what I mean, like she's again, doing an original the, thing. Yeah, or, yeah. Or she'll get a studio to buy into her next project, whatever yeah. it is, right? Yeah, and, or or even just financiers to put money into it because exactly. she works very much with. Well, the I love the one realm. for you, one for me kind of thing, yeah. right? And I'm hoping that's what. I think someone I forget. Sorry, I forget who said this on Twitter, but I'm hoping that's kind of what Disney does with Searchlight and like, if in the sense of like, if they're scooping up a lot of these great indie directors and that are are in their first couple films and and stuff like that that have tons of potential because they can kind of strong arm, whether it's creative freedom or maybe it's just money or or whatever but, i just hope they leave fox um, search that alone well no that's what i'm hoping they do not even as like a farm system like we talked about but like uh maybe it's a one for you one for me kind of thing and i'm hoping some filmmakers make those types of deals in the sense of going like okay i'll do your marvel movie but will you give me x amount of money to do a movie for searchlight like, right and go do that yeah absolutely like, i think that could be idea. really cool and if, well, look if, at Guillermo, right? Like Guillermo, right now, after doing Shape of Water and winning the Oscar and stuff like that, he he has a, a first look deal with them and also a producing deal. So one of the first big movies that he is he's releasing through Fox Searchlight is a film called Antlers with Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons that's being directed by Scott Cooper. But it sounds like an interesting storyline, and it's a horror movie, and it's supposed to be a part of like a horror subgenre for Fox Searchlight. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of like in best case scenario, how that Disney thing goes out, which we're going to talk about in the next story a a bit. Um, That's how I hope that they utilize Searchlight and not specifically use it in that way of being like, well, if you want a Searchlight movie, you got to direct a Marvel or Star Wars I hope Fox Searchlight still attends, you know, Sundance and 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 buys movies and and buys movies that are not in the ilk of some formula. Like, and I think they will because I feel like that's something that Disney's missing and especially if they're uh, wanting to build up their streaming service and things like that. I think they need to be a little bit more eclectic than Star Wars. And yeah. I mean, they have great properties, but I still think you need those adult-driven kind of dramas and, and comedies and Right, like and they that don't too. all have to be either like, you know, pushing the edge, you know, no, exploitation be, no, they could genre. be PG-13 Yeah, well, look too. at The like, Old Man and the Gun that's now yeah. playing in the U.S. opens here this week on October the 5th. Like, that's a perfect example of like a mature, sophisticated piece of filmmaking that's also very fun and playful, but isn't necessarily a Disney movie. And I, I don't know. I could see it working under a Searchlight label. Yeah. Like, um, so um, 
I'm assuming they'll just call it Searchlight, not Fox Searchlight, and, right? And that's how that label will stay. I wonder how the what they'll how they'll change the design of it for the logo. Yeah, I still think they'll you. I mean, you gotta keep that Fox intro. You'll just probably change it to uh, maybe that'll be specifically for Searchlight now or something like that. But, anyways, no good for her. I I have no idea anything about Eternals. Like, I don't really know much. Really, about you them. don't know anything at all. No, I mean, I I'm more of your classic i guess like i don't i don't go super deep into some of the marvel and dc stuff and i right. think the eternals are kind of a little this bit is more, like a deep cut maybe i think they're still a big property for marvel and that i'm sure there are a lot of people listening and and people in general that love the eternals right. and know a lot about them i'm not one of them i was more of like a yeah spider-man kind of your top tier kind of guy. Well, it's but... it, it would seem that that just from reading these releases, these press releases, that it is more cosmic it's oriented. Very cosmic, yeah. So maybe that's going to play into the next Guardians movie as well. And I think it's similar to New Gods, which is right, a, which Ava DuVernay yeah. is working on with DC right now. And I mean, who knows if that's ever going to happen? So. Uh, we'll see with that. So, do you want to move on to to the the, the Fox releases now? Yes. Um, so, but just to give context of Eternals, because I'm on Wikipedia right now too. Um, Is there a talking raccoon the, or tree? Yeah, some of the Celestials and like um, so like Kurt Russell's character from Guardians could be uh, potentially an Eternal, and they might utilize some of that. And even the in the comics, the um, the Titans from Thanos' home planet were Eternals. and, and, and Oh, so like, like the one that, that was too. voiced so by like, Carrie Coon and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, so possibly. The I don't know Midnight. if they're all from Titan, though. But I, it'll be interesting to see how that works. And it seems like Marvel is going into that direction of of a more cosmic maybe Phase 4. Um, right. Well, it, it would work also if they have like Doctor Strange 2 as well, right? Because right. that would fit perfectly within the cosmic comic Marvel universe. Yes, exactly. But yes, let's move over to um, kind of the news that came out of 20th Century Fox kind of rejigging their 2018-2019 schedule. So, because they are going to become a part of Disney very soon. So that's what is interesting about this. So for those of you that don't know, which this is such weird timing that I think is fucking bizarre and how do they do this, is like on Tuesday or Wednesday we got the... A trailer for Dark Phoenix, correct? Right. Which said February 14th, 2019 at the end of the trailer. Then two days later, you get an announcement that Fox has totally shifted a bunch of their films. So you got uh, Alita Battle Angel moving from December to To February? February. Yes, they took the February slot. So now Alita is on February 14th. To be fair for that one, there is a lot of stuff coming out in the month of December. But also somebody was mentioning on Twitter that uh, basically now the uh, special effects category is like barren. Like there's nothing there to vote for. So Infinity War, I guess. Well, other than Infinity War. Yeah. And Black Panther. Um, So we'll see what happens there. But that moves to February, which then that bumps... Um, Dark Phoenix, which they just had a trailer saying it was in February, to June. Right. Correct? Yes. And then um, and then the other thing on that, Gambit completely delayed again. To 2020. Like, which, we'll talk about that. Man, and it's then, 2020. And then they announced a... Oh, quote, New Mutants is August as well. Yeah, so you get two X-Men movies in a matter of two months. And... Um, I'll talk about my thoughts on on that in a second too, and then you get an untitled Deadpool movie on the Alita original date. So then that sparked everyone going, "Untitled Deadpool movie? Did they secretly shoot uh, 
a Deadpool sequel that we just didn't know about, which would have been crazy. So then it was revealed that uh, Ryan Reynolds tweeted out a photo saying, like, you ready with some swords or something. And it was Deadpool sitting bedside reading a story to Fred Savage. Yeah, which is is Um, making fun of Princess uh, Princess Bride. So then it was revealed that that untitled Deadpool movie is most likely either a PG-13 cut of Deadpool 2 or a PG-13 cut of both Deadpool movies put together. Um, So let's talk about all of this. So... Where do you want to start? Do you want to start? Let's talk about Deadpool and how I am okay. fucking done with this series. Yeah. I am sorry, you Ryan Reynolds. It, yeah. I I don't like. I'm I might be in the minority with the first one. Uh, the second one seemed to weigh more people. Where it felt like okay, one, it, it was a one movie kind of thing. It played its spiel and its stick, and it's done. But this drives me nuts because partly I can see it obviously as a marketing thing to show you, hey, we can do a PG thirteen Deadpool Which for is a Disney what I movie. Think it- is but at the same time it's obnoxious and annoying because it's like hey we're making a pg-13 movie come to the theater and see this piece of garbage and we'll take your money anyways yeah. <laughs> and i'm just i'm done man i'm done you talk fair enough no and i you brought up the point that i kind of brought up to you when i i texted you this news and just being like what the fuck are they doing and like to me all of this and I know Disney's not supposed to be part of any um, kind of decision-making at Fox quite yet, but, I mean, everyone knows that that deal's going to uh, essentially go through early next year, right? Like, if if anything, it's it might be middle of next year. So I'm thinking the PG-13 Deadpool thing is, is exactly what you said of just testing the waters for can this character work in a PG-13 film? And will people go out to see a PG-13 version of this? Or can we get a spike with some younger kids or some families and things like that? And then, and how does the comedy work in a PG-13 setting? I'm sure it'll be very meta and there, there'll be a whole... I mean, they probably shot a bunch of scenes with Fred Savage that will mimic uh, Princess Bride. I think he's playing the same character that he played in that movie and... and um, and there'll be a whole bunch of scenes where they essentially what happens in Princess Bride is that um, his grandpa skips over the scariest or most violent stuff in right. that story because he's not it's not age appropriate. So I miss I Peter think, Falk. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. <laughs> fuck this. Um, so I think that's clever, but I'm with you of just like. This should have been maybe a VOD thing that you No, do, it should or... have been a special feature on the Blu-ray yeah. and 4K and leave it at that. Yeah. You are taking the fans' <laughs> money and exploiting them. Fuck you, Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> you asshole <laughs> and company. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, I liked you at one point. Now I fucking hate you. I, I don't I don't like this. I really don't like this. This is this is on this is worse than when Disney Pixar releases re-releases uh, their movies with the laugh track at the end to go and see it, or when they have the uh, the little um, karaoke uh, things that you can go with like Mamma Mia. Like it's so it just this kind of thing drives me nuts because it's not a movie and it's not like you know what. What they should do if they had the balls, they should show the original cut of Deadpool 2 before all the reshoots. That would be the only way to entice, I think, anybody to go and see that. The one that had less of Domino and uh, Cable. So for me, my question to you then is, do you... 
Is it the same thing of when a, a studio releases on an unrated version or when DC did the R-rated versions of Batman vs. Superman? Or it, it's, I, I don't know. But to you, yeah. is because they're releasing those on the Blu-ray, like you said, like an unrated version, then that's okay because then... That's fine because like, you own it, you bought yeah, it. You, you can you, watch you, either version Yeah, exactly. And, like, and even if you do... Like, if you're... Like, I know they're being straight... Well, I don't know if they're being straightforward because they're kind of playing coy right now with the whole is. thing of yeah, what it is. They haven't even announced what it yeah. is. Yeah, and and to me, it's just like... Like, even with the Rogue cut, at least they they were up front with saying, hey, we're going to re-release this on Blu-ray, on yeah. Blu-ray, and you can watch it if you want to. You don't have to, but same it's with, there. Same with going to the theater, though. Yeah. It's like, you don't have... You're not... They're not sticking a gun to anyone's head that no. says you have to go see this. But to me, I'm it's like, almost very glib. Like, it's like, huh, well, we, we're not we releasing... We can be self-referential, so we can do this because we'll make fun of ourselves for doing it. Yeah, yeah, like, and because we can get away with it because we're self-aware about it. And, and <laughs> you know, if anybody else does it, we'll call them out on it. You know, like, right. it's just bullshit. It's just a know. bunch of BS, <laughs> I, Matthew, for me, BS. For me, it always just goes back to... I mean, you don't have to support it if you don't. If you no, don't no, I it. agree with that so too. Then, I just, I'm, I'm angered at, I'm upset for the people that feel that they like, because I always feel obligated to go to the movies. I'm not <laughs> going to go see this, obviously, but I always feel like, as even as like a collector and and someone who loves physical media, where it's like there are some movies that I will buy every version of because I love them so much. And double you can't dipping tell has me. been a thing. For... Yeah, you can't tell me otherwise. But yeah. but I like I can see somebody that's a fan of the Marvel comic book series or the Marvel adaptations, whether it be the studios or the Fox film, saying, "Well, I should probably go see this because I'm a completist or it's a part right. of the, the release." But again, no one's forcing to. anyone. And no. for me, it I think it's just more silly than anything that you're releasing it. Uh, a TV version of the movie in theaters. <laughs> like, yeah, but they never did that with like Scarface. No, that's right? what I'm saying though. Where like, they actually did release footage of the TV edits on the the, the original Blu-ray, DVD. Yeah, yeah. No, on the on the DVD. I don't know if it yeah. transferred to over to the Blu-ray, oh, but sure, on the DVD but... they showed you like Al Pacino being blurred out and saying things, or like lines in uh, uh, Die Hard Two, like Yippee Kaye, Mister Falcon, instead yeah. of Yippee Kaye. No, I know, and that's always been a thing. It's just you haven't seen a studio really re-release a. Usually, yeah. it's the I'm other... not giving you my money, Fox. Sorry. No, I mean, I I I'm curious to see what this is and it seems like there will be new jokes and footage because you shot stuff with the princess yeah. bride parody stuff but which i'm not um, interested in no and that's totally fair I, and i think i think the fred, fred savage stuff in super troopers 2 was better. yeah and i don't know i just think that it's interesting that you're giving an opportunity to some people being like well your kid wasn't allowed to watch deadpool before but now you can but right um I don't know. I'll, I think it's interesting in testing the waters of how that character will work once Disney takes it over and um, whether this is a sign saying that Deadpool might be PG-13 moving forward, everybody, and that we're Which just I think that's really what it. it is. It's just a, a, a basically a fan film test to say, hey, are you comfortable with this being <laughs> Are people PG-13? going to hate this yeah, or not? Because like, guess what? It's reverting back to Disney and and And, and we want him Studios. part of MCU, so yeah. he'll joke about it. And they'll probably... Ha, ha, Disney's ha. smart enough that the, it will be very meta and he'll talk about how he's not allowed to swear anymore and they'll bleep things out or yeah. they'll they'll cut things out of the story. Like, it still will be the violent version, but they'll cut chunks out of it in moving forward. And Or maybe they keep it R-rated mo- and have... The and, movie doesn't have balls. I'm going to say, because there was rumors that there... Or there was a scene that had them making fun of Disney in Deadpool 2. And they cut it out. They cut out. So this movie thinks that it's <laughs> cool and it's self-referential and, 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 and making fun of everything and 
everyone, but it doesn't it doesn't do that because it obeys the company standard. Yeah. So I'm I'm very curious to see what Go Disney suck a lemon. I'm I'm curious. I don't know, man. I'm not. I don't hate it as much as you do because, like, I mean, I really no one's it. ever forced to go. See no, anything, no. I'm not so. saying that. Like, it's not saying you better see this or we'll kill your dog. It's just it just bothers me that they're doing this in the way that they're doing. They're kind of this. taking advantage of people that. Yeah, real, but they're also thinking that they're clever about it, and they're and they're really not. Like again, like if they were to show me the the the, the Disney joke that they had in Deadpool two, then I'd be like, hey, at least they're they're saying we're going down, you know, guns a blazing. This they're just basically saying, eh, we're gonna try the 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 PG thirteen route. So when we do get to making Deadpool three or, or X Force, this is how it's gonna kind of be. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, it just bothers me. That's all. I, it's it's. I think it's just testing the waters to see. It's not gonna make much money. I don't think because again, it's just no. Very well, Deadpool weird, but... two didn't do as well, and no. I mean, I think it did better internationally. I think that character is beloved um, both in Europe and parts of Asia specifically. But um, yeah. It's 100% just to go, can we put this guy in the MCU and uh, kind of poke fun at ourselves for copping out now? Right. Um, Which it is. It is, totally. Um, Which, whatever. Um, Whatever. So then the other weird thing is now everything kind of get Alita moving out of December. That's fine. I think that kind of feels like a February movie more than a December movie. I'm um, so curious about it just yeah. because I like the manga and I remember the animated movie they made in the, I think it was mid nineties and it was kind of interesting. It reminded me a little bit of Blade Runner uh-huh. and those graphic novels, at least the first stories that take place in sort of like the trenches of the old world are very violent. Like the, the thing that they're not really showing in any of the trailers, I, I don't know if they changed it or not, but like the androids are um, drug addicts and their, their, their vice or their uh, drug of choice is human brains. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I don't. So know they that. feast on, on like they're zombies. Okay. And so that stuff, I don't know if it's going to make that final version or if that's, is it changed. I'd, I'd hope so. Well, um, Fox is the one company right now that is taking risks on big budget R-rated stuff, so it could right. be. But, but yeah, um, but like that's the stuff that I'm kind of interested in, and it kind of played in like a Blade Runner-esque universe, and that's why I think James Cameron originally wanted to, to it, direct right. it. So, But he's too busy with Avatar. Yeah. Um, so Disney's Avatar. Alita moves out, but then that pushes Dark Phoenix to June. Which is the weirdest thing because they just released that trailer and we kept hearing rumors like you mentioned earlier about that. Is it happening? Is it not? Because of the Disney thing. Now this really puts this into a... I mean they wouldn't start the marketing but I know they have to work as separate entities until next year. But what happens if Disney takes over in February or March uh, and then goes, eh, this is going to hurt us more than it's going to help us if we release these X-Men movies. Like, right. Now that they have time beforehand to be like, we could just pull these. Yeah. Um, and I, they'll never see the light of day. I don't think that will happen. I just feel like they're done. And like, unless they think they're going to bomb, like you're still going to make a little bit of money off of them. Probably. Well, they so. will because they are brand name comic book adaptations. I mean, having X-Men 
on both of these films and having the original cast. I'd be more concerned for New Mutants just because New Mutants was something that it's it was the to be a little bit weirder and well, it's supposed to be in the vein of a horror movie, yeah. right? But then but they also, reshot a bunch of it to try and take it away. From no, 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 add to it because they wanted it to be more like it. Really? So after it was this huge success, they were like, we need to amp up the horror and be oh, R-rated. Okay. So they put more into it, more gore and more violence. See, and I heard more... the opposite, but I don't, I, or I thought I read that. But... No, I well, I was reading that because of it okay. doing so well, right, they added cool. more to it. But the thing with New Mutants is that the idea behind that was that that was going to be a new franchise. So if they decide to release it in August, which it tentatively still is coming then, um, it kind of feels like, oh, well, it, it, is this just a one-off completely? Like, literally, like, this is it? And, you know, like, are they going to say, hey, well, maybe if it does well box office-wise, do we do a new franchise with New Mutants? And do we change the structure or tone moving forward? Because I'm sure this one would be a lot different under a complete Disney uh, right. reinvention. And we talked a little bit about trying to... You talked about Infinity War and the ending, and it's hard to kind of take yourself out of kind of the movie-making element of it and, and what you know is coming in the future and what you come to expect. And I think that's really hurting these both of these movies is because I feel like anything what people are going to be able to talk about is that, oh, well, Disney has control of these characters now. None of this is going to matter. This is all going to be kind of rebooted again and, and tied into the MCU. So why do these exist why should i even go see them or like before they were a completely separate thing and they were building upon that so i right. see um and i still i'm with you i love all, everyone involved in these movies and i gen generally like all of the x-men movies for the most part it's a consistently um, pretty solid series with a couple hiccups here and there but yeah like as as a franchise i think it doesn't get enough credit and especially with just within the continuity of its own own world building i think it's been pretty solid yeah um well they've had to retcon a lot and it's a little right. messy and they just don't really care about continuity but we got much. logan out of it yes and that's all that matters yeah. really. and, and like, you couldn't have logan without all what, the other movies agreed it wouldn't be as impactful and wouldn't work so i'm i'm totally with you on that i just it, it's going to be interesting especially now that this is coming after the next avengers right um not before um and i just it it's all very fishy to me or do the, they the, do they make these the first of the their streaming service yeah, exclusives like or something just, like just bury them there I don't know, man. It it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out because they will been, they sell them off. They've been they've been delayed so many times, both New Mutants and this now, and like because this was supposed to come out next month, right? Yeah, uh, and then and New Mutants was supposed to come out April of, of this, this year. year. Yeah. yeah, so it's like it's if New Mutants was supposed to be first, then they swapped around. Now they're within two months of each other, and now there's all this turmoil and 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 poor and, gambit like, oh, and what then, about gambit you know, gambit's never coming out i mean gambit will eventually get his own movie with the mc in the mcu i just love but... how channing tatum is just like patiently waiting because we've heard like you know at one point gore verbinski was going to direct this and then it kind of fell through. i think gambit might be one of so it's interesting of what they're going to do with the x-men once they get them disney mm -hmm. and marvel um do you jump right into a x-men movie or do you do the same thing you've done with marvel and do a couple individual mutant kind of well, movies have, and then well what's their stance on mutants in the marvel studio universe at this right point? that's that's the like, first is thing inhumans was inhumans mutant based or wasn't no. that it was that in the comics no they they'll have to based? do some sort of thing 
to introduce them or retcon that they've been around but no one knew about them or um i would almost just be okay with them just saying hey they're just doing their own thing or like like just to save backstory on like hey, or have them be new like yeah th- something happened and they're just start this mutant gene just started to kind of um because i don't really want like another not that i don't like his voice but i don't want another sir patrick stewart voiceover like in that first x-men movie yeah. explaining everything all over again with even CGI we've seen it a million times with uh, magneto's backstory and how all yeah. of that like we don't i think you need to do something different and you probably do need to um or unless you just decidedly to bring them into it like those those characters that are already I there so i don't think no, I, I know that but the i mean only thing just... would be like if if um hugh jackman wanted to be a part of it for a little while which like... he could say he could come back for that i could see him saying like out of like because he he has said that he would like to you know be in a scene with with robert downey jr as tony stark or you know do something like that but there's another thing as well like uh, it, it will happen it'll probably happen in the next 10 years or so but recasting Wolverine is going to be a huge challenge. I don't think you do it right away. You should probably leave him out of it for a while. And that's why I think you start off with, maybe you just do a Magneto movie or just a Professor X movie. And then you start to introduce the other X-Men in those singular movies. And then you build up to kind of X-Men, which is like their version of Avengers. Right. And right. Then, or then um, you put the X-Men in like the, the X-Men meet in an Avengers movie. Right. Or a single, Mar- one of the other Marvel characters movies, you introduce these guys slowly. Right. And right. maybe it builds up to an X-Men movie or, or a one-off movie or something like that. Um, like you did with Spider-Man, right? That right. was smart. You I was just... going to say what they're doing with Annabelle 3, which is actually actually The Conjuring 3, because yeah. it's going to take place within the Warren family. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It's all weird. I just thought it was very weird to come It's out. very messy. Um, like, it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. And if, like, maybe their focus won't even be on the X-Men at first, maybe it'll be Fantastic I think Four. It, Fantastic Four makes more sense to me, because they fucked it up three times now. Yeah, that they um, want to actually have one and that works. It seems like the easiest one to not fuck up. Like, right. it's just like... And I, I like how you're saying this to me and your hair's like kind of like yeah. it almost looks like you have a crew cut but like your I hair's longer my, so it's like yeah. sticking out like a devil like I took my hat off. Um but Fantastic 4 seems like the one uh that I think Marvel could knock out of the park right away I and agree. just do a really good job with it and introduce and that would make more sense to introduce into the MCU like without much explanation, right? They're in space, something happens, they get powers. <laughs> like Right. Um and maybe you introduce the X-Men slowly into your Fantastic Four movies, or I don't know, or, or Silver Surfer. They'll have him, so maybe he's part of the Eternals movie. Right, um, which could like work that. if you if you had... Because, I mean, Silver Surfer is an interesting enough character, but, I mean, the way that they handled him in the Fantastic Four movie made you kind of like completely turn off to actually invest more time in his storyline. And please, if they do make a real galactus well that's what i'm saying don't like, make it a fucking cloud well who's like who's the big bad guy after thanos right that you're building up to galactus, galactus. could be cool right yeah. like and not as a cloud no like as galactics uh galactus and um because i remember him in in the the cartoon series of silver surfer and he was menacing yeah like he, he i mean he's basically uh unicron you know he goes from planet to planet just eating them and like an apple yeah and and it's scary because he's just this giant floating being yeah. and then when they turned him into a cloud it was just like really like that's i mean let's not lame. ever yeah um 
those movies are not great, but I feel like they could do a good job with them, and that might be where they probably need to start. Um, I agree. I feel like once you see... I think the timing is really good for Disney of getting this deal closed early next year. You have uh, the Avengers 4 come out, and then you can announce your Phase 4, and then I know some of them are already in production, so Spider-Man's the first one there, and then um, Guardians Volume 3 was going to be part of that and i still think it will be but yeah it might not um, necessarily be the next two or three in the new phase like i could see it being one of the later ones now just because of like they're looking for a new director yeah. did you read that thing about bradley cooper being asked if he would oh want to direct it he was now like he's like he's yeah. like well, I have to. I have to write it. I have to write. Yeah. My, I don't know. Why I'm talking like this. I write my own work. I'm trying to channel Jackson <laughs> Man. Um, I want to write my own work. Uh, hey, I just want to take a look at you. Hey, just want to take another look at you. Um, t- to me, like I feel like any self-respecting filmmaker will not want to even go near that out of solidarity to James Gunn. Um, yeah, so it, I feel it, like James though. I mean, I'm not speaking for him, but I feel like depending on who it is, like I could see a Taika coming in, yeah, and then James, but Taika and, would ask for his blessing, and I feel like he Taika would just use his script, right? And which is where if it was a Peyton Reed, they wouldn't give a shit. They would just no, be like, yeah. I want to, I want to mop this. Well, I feel like Taika would have a conversation with James and be like, Are you comfortable with me doing this? I want to do your script justice, kind of yeah. thing, and um, and then. But still putting his own Taika spin on it, too, which is different than a James Gunn spin. Yeah, and you like, keep mentioning that it would make sense to have, like, Thor join up and it would be yeah, as Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, because I think um, Thor will be the one that kind of sticks around if any of the original OG Avengers cast... Um, yeah, because uh, he's finally... Hitting a stride. Yeah. Like, I feel like Thor is just coming into his own. So well, Ragnarok really... was the first movie to kind of feel like, oh, yeah, he's supposed to be funny. His yeah. name is fucking Thor. Yeah. It's like, like, he's a god who's living yeah. among humans. And, like, he looks like a should, surfer dude. This should be goofy and fun. Yeah. Like, you should have fun with this. Yeah. And, Thor's like, Big Wednesday. So I feel like they finally nailed his character. So for him to leave would yeah. be. Su- and it seems like Hemsworth is the one guy that is happy with where. Not that the other guys are unhappy, but, like, they've all had great. Great films and great character arcs and i feel like thor has been fine but i feel like hemsworth was really happy with what where his character was in ragnarok and in infinity war so i could see him being the right. one that where, sticks the around. first two thor movies really do feel almost like they're placeholders for you know the eventual avengers movies that came in each right. phase they were like almost like we have to do this because we need oh god could you something. imagine a remake of point break but with thor <laughs> and another character like that would be amazing yeah. i would watch the hell out of that um so i think if anyone's going to stick around, uh, and I, I can see Scarlett Johansson sticking around too. Well, yeah, um, well, they they have been talking about. I think that'll um, be part of Phase, a Black four. Widow movie, which yeah. is going to be directed by uh, the uh, Australian director who did uh, Lore. Right. So we so, are starting to see like what's going to be part of that, and I'm sure the Black Widow movie will be mo. Actually, I could see it be like mixing flashbacks of her past life with a present well, storyline they, they didn't like, didn't they yeah they showed flashbacks in age of Ultron a little bit with yeah. julie delpy remember yeah maybe like, julie delpy comes back though. which i would kind of like that because i would almost like the marvel version not that i like the movie but i think that they could do a kind of fun spoof, red sparrow, sparrow kind of thing yeah. where like cold war-esque storyline that has maybe a little grit to it that's not necessarily superhero-ish but still kind of plays well, in I the espionage lane exactly 
exactly like a spy movie and i think you could do a really cool job of showing someone from her past who is the villain in the movie right that's how you integrate kind of those flashbacks to that cold war era of her kind of being trained and or just all in the the, past like i would like it all like yeah like before she joined so the I Avengers. So I think that's how you're going to get around maybe killing off some of these characters too because we have already we haven't talked about on this show with the Disney streaming service stuff with the Loki and, and Scarlet Witch. I don't know if we mentioned it. No, because I think it was just announced, um, right? So they're doing series for both of them on, on the streaming service, which will be... Do you have an interest in that though? Depending on the character. And I think but they'll be better... But these two characters that have been Loki, officially announced. Loki, sort of. Uh, Scarlet Witch, not so much. Um, also, it'd be great if there's an episode that you find out why she dropped her Eastern European accent. Yeah, and also like, yeah, what time period is hers going to be in? Because we saw her get her powers at the end of the first Avengers movie, right? Because they were experimenting on her and her brother. The um, first of, I thought it was, was uh, Captain like, America. Oh, sorry, um, yeah, whatever. I'm getting them all mixed up. There's 18 of them. Winter yeah, no, Soldier. it was it was Ca- yeah Winter Soldier because yeah. that was the that was where you had. Um, Baron von Strucker and yeah, and then they make fun of him in the beginning of Ultron, and he's not really a villain. It was kind of a red herring. So I mean, we I don't know what that series would be. Um, I'd be more interested in a Vision series, Vision Quest, Um, because there was a really good arc in the comics recently uh, about Vision that people keep telling me to read. I'd actually Um, be interested in Rhodes. Yeah, kind of like a because I always liked his character when he had like the one-offs in um, the Spider-Man '90s cartoon when he would show up, right, to help out and so not have a Tony. War Machine series. Yeah, and... or even even in the Doctor Strange universe, like not necessarily just Doctor Strange, but just in, Wong. <laughs> yeah, well, Benedict Wong is great, yeah. but but just like in the cosmic realm to kind of know yeah. more about that world. I think it'll be really those. I'm way more interested now in in that than because they seem like they're really going to actually tie into the MCU. Unlike the Netflix series that just seem haphazardly like we'll mention something here and there, that, right? Or even Agents of Shield and things like that that feel cheap. Where I feel like this, and because they're doing the Star Wars series as well, I feel like Disney is going to throw a shit ton of money at these things to make them look like they are not TV, right? Like, like I, I don't cinemat- mean to take a shot at sometimes of what TV looks like, but but there it- is a difference. And you've, but but even the Marvel movies, in my opinion. With the exception of the Matthew Libatique shot, Iron Man films almost looked televisual. Like, they kind of looked like they were made for TV. Uh, I mean, I disagree there. I mean, I think they all have a similar look to them that are well, like a Marvel those look to it. filtered, kind of... But I still think the production digital. value is there that it doesn't I, look I, like I TV. think they've gotten better. I think where I started to notice that, hey, it's it's been elevated... <laughs> Is with the Guardian movie. Like, I felt like that actually put right. a lot of money into not just the casting, but into the production of it. Okay. Um, yeah. Where some of those early ones, and I think that's where I kind of, my disliking came in for part of them, was that it looked very much post-production heavy, and it kind of drove me nuts. Where now I think that they've come up with a good blend, and even the, the CGI, like, the motion capture... Um, of the characters in in the more recent ones are ten times better than yeah. when they first started. And, and the de-aging, a, man. And, and the, well, de-aging. the progression. I don't know about the de-aging completely. <laughs> I think like the um, uh, the Civil War beginning with with Tony Stark still looks a little off. But I think, but it looks better. Right. And with the progression of technology and innovation, you can make a better version each time around. Whether or not you completely get used to it i mean that's another thing i mean even look at rogue one right like i don't know if that was really a hundred percent peter cushing like 
visually as a human being. I think we're a few years off from that being really, really I'd say good. more than that. But yeah, but you know what? I Like 10 years from now, maybe it'll be even 10 times better. Yeah. But I mean, we're going to see it also with, with The Irishman, right? With Robert De Niro being de-aged to look like young Robert De Niro. <laughs> it's going to be weird, man. But yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. But I'm... I think it's some... Uh, yeah, there could be a, me- a multitude of different ways. I don't know. I hope they keep them four to six episodes. Right. Like, I would prefer four. Right. Um, you or get four. the most ten. Oh God, ten is even too much now. I feel really like. even yeah. now because just... how many? Well, what's what's the how many episodes? Eight to ten. How many episodes does Daredevil have? Like thirteen. Usually. Okay, so that's and that's too, too much. That's too it much. Is. And I mean. It's not network the, television. Any of the Netflix series, I used to be like, oh, yes, 13 episodes. Finally, we don't need 22. And then um, – and now I'm like, oh, 13 Well, you know what you need? You need to do it the Sherlock 10. way where it's three 90-minute exactly. episodes. Exactly. And you feel like you've watched a film. Exactly. You watch like a trilogy, a yeah. little bit lower – production value i guess or i would argue i would um, disagree with that a little bit because no, i think no, the production value is quite high sorry no i mean uh budget wise right, so right, much right production right, value right. wrong term because right. i do i do agree with you that sherlock looks better than some of the the, the marvel stuff but it's just different yeah, I, mean, I know what you're saying like, there yeah i agree um, on that those aren't huge giant action sequences and no. and uh, large budgets whatever. no they work within the confines of but BBC. i'm sure you could find some marvel characters where um like i would have much preferred a punisher mcu directly kind of like this rather than this really dark kind of um moody i don't, I don't know or maybe not punisher but maybe other superheroes that are well like, i would love to have seen punisher be a part of the spider-man universe but i don't think that's daredevil as well yeah, like same. in kingpin like look at yeah. this third season of daredevil is coming up and they're bringing back um vincent D'Onofrio. d'onofrio and i feel like you could plop d'onofrio into this the spider-man movies and it and it could work but right. i just don't know if they'll ever do that because that the r-rated stuff on netflix and i don't know but maybe you just hope I don't know that there's a disconnect there that people would be okay with that. And, um, cause yeah. I, I do think of Kingpin as also a Spider-Man villain. And well, yeah. From the nine, again, yeah. from the nineties cartoons, like he was kind of like the big baddie quite literally in, in sort of like behind the scenes for the most part. But I even loved when like he would take on Spider-Man because like you had that size difference that was amazing in terms of scale and scope and how like, you know, he became kind of, um, as villainous as in terms of uh, aggression as any other of his uh, foes. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I would be totally down for for Vincent D'Onofrio and Tom. Because I like his um his adaptation of, or his interpretation of Kingpin in in Daredevil. Daredevil's the one. I know you don't like any of the Netflix no, Marvel I've, series. I've tried. Um, I do like. I'm. I will watch the third season of Daredevil, but Daredevil is the only one that I've watched all the way through. You're not saying you're interested all, in Iron Fist too? No, all of the other marvel netflix series i've made about four or five episodes in and i'm like i'm good <laughs> I, I, need... I tried getting through one episode of jessica jones and one of luke cage and as much as i like someone like mahershal ali and luke he's great and they kill him off and it becomes very bad <laughs> yeah and i just i couldn't i couldn't do it i just couldn't invest in and i think partly it's to do with some of the aesthetic choices as well um and Again, like I appreciate them trying to make a you know th- these movies leading to the or those shows leading to the Defenders, but even the Defenders is kind of like okay, I guess like it didn't feel didn't like it, it didn't it. feel monumental the or way important. that the Avengers yeah. did, did. That's why I would have much preferred if you 
brought these characters into the MCU. Yeah, like like after each of the seasons are done, maybe have like them have one of the series have bring all of them together and then tie them into the like MCU. Have them show up like in Spider Man or yeah. in another one or something like that. Like that. Or the Avengers be... movie. You could. You, yeah. They could oh, have. God, a, they like, could have easily scenes. been in Infinity War. Yeah. And, like we or like that whole thing in New York. You could have shown some of that from their perspective, right? Yeah. Like of the instead of like reading invasion. a newspaper that says yeah. you know the the Avenger that giant creature. Make me feel like it is important enough to want to watch it, right? right? Because you've invested so much into this universe. Nineteen movies, not all of them. Are great but i can almost forgive that because i like how much they all work into each other or even a movie like captain marvel that we don't know much about or an ant-man that i never thought i would be excited for but i am because it have how it ties into the overall kind of picture and, and story right and, right um so i don't know like it, it's just interesting now they just feel like insignificant right like they it are. just it's just yeah like you said there's a newspaper thing that says oh this happened three months ago but we're not going to show you how they dealt with it yeah. or like um, or they or, didn't deal with it at all yeah so i know they're supposed to be tackling the smaller side of the marvel universe right like right. The stuff that's not as important for the big guys but like they're the maintenance workers of of the marvel universe. yeah but then i just like this doesn't feel important enough for me to want to invest no. my time into it and, so. and i like the small scale stories but, at but the it's same done time, well in like spider-man or something like that right I feel like. but when you're in the same universe as these other huge monumental moments it just feels to me like well what's the point they should be incorporated into those storylines or be a part of the action in some way even if it's just like one scene or helping out a character like you they need to be involved because you've set the perimeters that they are a part of the universe and then going back into the behind the scenes stuff we know that this is run by a separate entity in marvel like marvel television right where it's not it's tied into the MCU, but it's not run by Kevin Feige, and it's not run by Marvel Studios. It's Marvel Television. That yeah, runs Marvel them, right? Knights? Is that what or, they're called? No, it? Marvel Knights is usually their, like, R-rated um, kind of thing. And I don't know if that's what they call this. I thought it was just their Marvel Television branch, like the same one that does Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But, okay, maybe. Because um, I, I thought there was, like, a, the way that... Um, Marvel Knights was always their, like, dark, gritty right. like, comics. Like, which with is Marvel Days. Of, yeah. <laughs> Daytime um, talk this show This was Marvel Knights movies? with a K, like, movie night. Yeah. Um, but then... What's interesting about these streaming services, it's that it's Kevin Feige, and if it's it's actual legitimate Marvel Studios that are working on these with very large budgets, which is what they've talked about, right? And right. Then, um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's curious. Um, I'm. I'm. It's next year is going to be very interesting. I think with all of this stuff, with the streaming service launching. What's happening? Twenty nineteen with it's Star be a Wars, big, with like what's happening with Star Wars, which um, we'll quickly go through. Like Kathleen Kennedy just renewed uh, her contract at Lucasfilm for three Take years. Take that, fanboys! Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> she's back, which is great. I think she's she's one of the best producers yeah. of now, all time. Now I will and... say this: they need to hire a female director. Yep. Agreed. And and for her to say that she hasn't found one yet is a bunch of <laughs> BS. Yeah. Um. Other than that, yeah, I'm glad that she is still steering the ship and will be for the next uh, three years or so. But yes, please find a woman, uh, a woman of color. Uh, mm-hmm. Just just do something new that's not just a white guy. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see, again, all different perspectives within... Uh, it's such a diverse universe. Yeah. And, you and, can't <laughs> like... And then you just... Anyways, it's, it's, it's that weird. That is the one thing. And they talked about like, oh, well, we have a lot of things we haven't announced yet. There's people working on different things and being like, okay, well, uh, fucking announce them then. Yeah, you probably need put to our minds at ease so we don't have to complain about them but on dude, these podcasts. You saw the reaction 
section of uh, what happened with uh, Last Jedi and how some of the fanboys. So I'm I'm sure right. they're sort of being strategic in a right. sense. Well, of, like, whatever filmmaker does get hired, they need to delete all of their uh, know, social media just, accounts. It, well, it's horseshit. It's all dumb. But I'm no, glad, and, and you I'm don't see them back. like really like. I mean, I know that a lot of people attacked um, or criticized. Ryan Johnson, but they didn't criticize him the way that they criticized Kelly Marie uh, Tran. Why? Yeah, exactly. I exactly, and and so that's why I think they're being coy or timid on announcing. I feel like they probably have some things working in the like in the background, but like it it is then it's also a bad look that you're only announcing the ones that are directed by right. And uh, I think it's they should be more confrontational or aggressive with it and just just shove it down those guys' throats and say, you know what? This is Star Wars. It's for everybody. F you. Good day. These are the people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And and that way you get a lot of interesting and again, like you're gonna get movies that are going to be more uh inclusive and you're going to get yeah. movies that are going to bring a different perspective to the universe and that's going to be exciting and new and fresh and it's going to keep the franchise going mm-hmm. all right um we're running long so i'm skipping this last news story um but let's quickly um i haven't really been going to the movies all that much after you still got a little bit of that tiff um, yeah you know oh, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh so i've just been kind of chilling at home so i haven't really been that motivated to go to the movies but uh we did talk about the house with a clock and its walls last week which i did get out to go see um can that, i just mention something really really quick yeah. about this that i didn't mention the, the, the other thing that i did like about the movie that i forgot to talk about um that it's very much sort of indicating in its subtext is that it's a movie about characters that have been affected by the war and living in a post-war society world yeah. war ii like the Kyle mclaughlin character or or tr- trauma and losing something so both Kate blanchett's character and the young boy have both lost people in their lives that are very significant to them and and, and part of their family and seeing how they move on past the grief and loss and they do that in a good way for a movie that's for very young yeah kids. yeah and I, and I also do think there is something to say about post-war trauma the way that you know like you come back a different person yeah yeah anyways that, no that I'm, good point yeah um but nevis and i did get out to the movies on friday night and i did finally see a simple favor uh from the darker side of paul feig yeah Although I feel like some of his other movies are just as dark as this one. Um, Unaccompanied least, Minors? Are you uh, saying that's a dark movie, Matt? Yeah. So uh, Nevis and I did go out and see a, a Simple Favor. So I thought we could talk about that a little bit before wrapping up. Yeah. I'm just surprised that an ice cream company didn't come to them for a Simple Flavor, like mm-hmm. tie-in marketing. Um, this is a couple months removed Tastes for like me. like your brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, that not that's your actually, brother's. Oh, that's even weirder, man. Uh, that yeah, that would. What flavor would that be? Rocky Road. Uh, um, so I'm a couple months removed from this. So this, I saw this back in August because yeah, they screened it very early for you because of TIFF. Because of TIFF, and they wanted to get Canadian press to see it beforehand. Um, I didn't love the movie. Some people are calling it like this surprise, like piece of great filmmaking this revelation that they weren't suspecting um i think it's a perfectly adequate 
Um, as people have been saying, Gone Girl knockoff that I think the first half works really well because of the heightened performances that both Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively give. Kendrick plays this mommy vlogger who her child befriends the the son of Blake Lively, who's kind of this mysterious chic, if you will, yeah. the word chic, and 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 she's you know she's living in the suburbs. She's running PR for Rupert Friend. <laughs> yeah, but Rupert Friend is really good at it, yeah. and he has one moment that i'll mention quickly uh after i've done the synopsis but he plays a fast tom ford-esque to the extreme um but what i like about it is those two their and their relationship and the kind of you know again you have anna kendrick who's more of the conservative uh kind-hearted person that might have a bit of a dark streak in there we get from backstory including a relationship with a taboo relationship with her uh, half brother -brother. uh so it's only half incestuous (laughs) (laughs) and then you have blake lively who has her own spoilerish background that is deceiving but her kind of um quirk is that she doesn't like photos of herself and she kind of likes to be uh, invisible to a certain extent and, and be able to not be connected to things. She likes to be tethered and, 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 and go on these long trips or disappear. And I think that that's kind of where the, the story begins. And then when Blake Lively's character disappears, that it becomes missing, yeah. Anna Kendrick's sort of uh, quest to find out what happened to her. And through that and through the vlog... It becomes kind of like a serial-esque podcast, video podcast that people become more intrigued she by. She goes viral. Yeah, and, and I, I will say this. At, for a framing device, I think that works really well. I yeah, think that's a smart how, way to do a framing device. Without spoiling things and how that plays into the story as well and isn't just a framing device. Like right. She is speaking well it's it's happening in real time but it does it it, it's also used as the framing device to keep you updated on it's exposition but it's a good way but it's a way of delivering that in a smart and clever way agreed um yeah i'm i think i disliked it a little bit more than you were okay with it i was more so on teetering on the side of didn't like it at all right um there are elements in the i agree with you that the first hour is a bit better than the kind of the last bit and um um if you go into it knowing it's a satirical kind of take on gone girl and kind of um i just felt like it was really tonally strange and i get that paul feig was going for a sort of dark twisted comedy but it's more goofy um, but some of the goofy goofy. stuff doesn't work for me i agree And and especially in that third act uh, we can't talk about it too much, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Where, where, where final reveals and final standoffs happen. And even the Andrew Rannells stuff. That stuff like, doesn't work. No. At all. Like the other moms. And like, I just felt like it needed to choose a tone and stick with it. Because I felt like when it was uh, twisted and dark and like not trying to be funny, but it was funny in the way that they were kind of um, taking this type of film and this genre and kind of... Um, going really dark and strange with it and like playing up the kind of like you said the relationship between the two characters subversive suburban lifestyles is what works but what doesn't is when you get the kind of um paul feig improvisation yeah or the would-be detective stuff like the 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 cameo by gene smart really doesn't it doesn't do anything other than deliver exposition to certain backstories. I just felt as you 
started to see as the movie started to unravel and reveal itself i just didn't find it all that interesting right that it wasn't that it wasn't as clever as it thought it was and it wasn't as it wasn't that satirical it just started to become kind of boring and in kind of whatever by the end of it where i felt like the first half i'm like oh this is kind of interesting yeah they are doing it's like weird and and well it's it's a combination of both david lynch and john waters where you take the you know everything's immaculate and pretty and perfect on the outside in the suburban world but when you dig deep into the earth of it it's really a horrible mix of you know self-destructive nature and people screwing each other over and you see a lot of that with the relationship with the Henry Golden character and I think he actually has uh, one of the best just written lines where he plays a college professor and like you know his students are still having trouble with uh, proper punctuation with and, your and, and your yeah like yeah. that actually is funny um, and, but see and, that is more subtle than some of right. the goofier stuff and I, I agree just... and, and I think that third act really hurts it more so than anything else, and there's something that involves a car that I think really doesn't work. Um, but when it gets to the 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 wrapping up of it, it be, it, it goes off the rails. It really does, or or the 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 rannels um, <laughs> goes off the rannels. Yeah, yeah. And and I like that actor. I, I thought so he was great I. in Girls, but I like Andrew Rannels um, a lot. Book of Mormon. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, to me, like I I understand where you're coming from. Where the actual mystery itself isn't as interesting as the enigma to set everything up. I will say this. Both Rupert Friend and Lin- Linda Cardellini in their cameos yeah. are a lot of fun. I think, um, but again, a little too much for me. I don't know. Like, I, I I think maybe they overstay their welcome a little bit. But what I like about like the Rupert Friend thing is that the funeral that they have, where he's like, he has the little um, uh, cloth that has his signature name in it. You could see that character doing that. Yeah, and I do like the kind of expositional. Uh, drive or, 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 or indication that Cartellini has because it feels like there's a real person there and not just simply a caricature. Like, there is right. some emotion to it. Like And see, that's why I didn't really buy into the second half of the movie either because I just didn't buy into Anna Kendrick's kind of transition from this timid mommy blogger to would-be gumshoe. To, yeah. And, I mean, I know she's hiding her own dark secrets and stuff, too, which we've kind of alluded to. And it's supposed to be a bit of a red herring because I honestly thought there would be more to that at the end where there would be, like, another twist where she does mm-hmm. something that kind of really throws you off, but right. it never really goes there. Well, yeah, and it keeps you on your toes and, and it does make you think one thing and then there's a twist and another twist and another twist and another twist and a twist on a twist and and I just yeah, it's really goofy by the end of it and it becomes so ridiculous and over the top that you kind of I ended up rolling my eyes and going, "What is this?" more so than right. this is fun. Like I felt like it needed to be more consistent, and I felt like it kind of was in that first forty minutes. And as it, they're building the characters, and I, I kind of bought into how Blake Lively's character was acting and how Anna Kendrick's character was acting. But as the movie went on, I was like, "Is this?" I get that your your suspension of disbelief here is you're kind of poking fun at some of this stuff, but I still don't really buy into how anyone is really acting and how right. this thing is playing out. And like, well, even the, even the one thing I do feel is like a little too much is the sixties pop music that plays throughout the movie where like, it, it's trying too hard to emulate, you know, uh, the French new wave and, and, you know, post they even use hitch chick habit. Well, yeah, but also, but, 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 uh, but, but, um, the Bonnie and Clyde single by, uh, Sergio Gainsbourg yeah. and, um, Bridget Bardot when Kendrick's in the, the dressing closet, like stuff like that. Like I get it. And like, I do 
like when she uses diabolique as are you trying to diabolique me and yeah. like but it, it feels like again it's maybe at those moments it's too self-referential now this isn't written by paul feig by the way this is this is a, an adaptation of darcy bell's basically it's like a paperback novel and it's uh, adapted by jessica charzor uh so i can see him saying like let's improvise things and and kind of have fun with it but i also do feel that this is the most coherent of his work but it is too long still that's the one thing with his movies and Judd Apatow's films that are consistent throughout both of their filmographies doesn't 20 need to minutes be too, too long yeah doesn't need to be two hours no no it doesn't it could have been a brisk hour 45 and it would have been fine I think if you cut 20 minutes out of this movie and kind of I don't know you needed to work a bit on that last that last yeah. act and that but last I will hour. say Lively and Kendrick themselves as actors are fine like they're they're good like they know they know the material they're working with and they do it well i think blake lively really kind of is underrated like in a way that we every time we see her we're like oh yeah i don't like her really i say because you didn't like her in the town yeah which i still i you did you like the shallows at least yeah but i mean for the most part i mean that's her movie basically i know it is it's uh i I just there's something about blake lively i just don't like you said fuck you to ryan reynolds earlier i know and uh i I don't you to blake lively no i'm not gonna go that far but um i just i i just haven't seen her in anything and i've never been captivated by her or thought she was very good in anything or like as much as i thought the shallows is kind of fun or uh, I think she's really awful in the town. I really do. I, I like her um, in the town. I think she's playing a caricature or like I mean, a, she a plays stereotype. A, but uh, I, I don't want to go too far into it. I was going to say something about this movie. But um, I don't like where that – in the duel – anyways, I'm not going to – Right. That, I, I just, I, are you talking about A Simple Favor now? Yeah. I kind of agree with you on that. But, yeah. but that to me like plays almost into – and I think I texted you about this. Like That feels like the plot goes from murder, mystery, noir to – Days of Our Lives television soap opera. And it's just, I feel like it's just there to get reactions out of people and keep you guessing, you know? And it doesn't make sense for the story. And I feel if they would have just chosen one thing and went deeper on it, like you you talked about it, maybe into Anna Kendrick's past a little bit more, because I feel like that's kind of glossed over. And then her transition of just like after she thinks her... Her friend passes away, and she just – and the stuff with her and the – Well, not like, even just that. When There's a moment in the movie where she figures it out what's going on. She still gets more backstory afterwards, but the way that they reintroduce somebody kind of feels out of nowhere. Yeah, and I just – I don't know. Like, And people will be like, well, the movie's just having fun. It's not supposed to be taken seriously and, and things like that. And I'm like, I, I understand what the movie is trying to do. I just don't think it did a great job right. at, at – and I really don't get the people thinking it's 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 great. I can see you having fun with it, and and um, it's and a good kinda... martini movie with a little vermouth to make yeah. it stronger. But yeah, like as like a play, like I still think Feig's best movie is uh, Bridesmaids, and I think the best thing that he's ever been a part of is Spy, <laughs> Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, I know those are I the two. Be. I like Spy. Though. I like Spy. It's fine. It's fine. I like uh, what's his name in it? Um, Jason Statham. Yeah. Rose Byrne's also really good. Rose in that. Byrne is great in yeah, that yeah, as yeah. well. Um, See, that would have been amazing if you had uh, um, Jason Statham in, uh, in 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 something like this, or 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 something else that's kind of like out of left field for him. Like, put somebody in a movie like that that you're not suspecting, and with both Kendrick and Blake Lively, you kind of you know that they can do this and they do this material very well. Um, but at the same time, I was hoping for something 
to to be more of a revelation here and there really yeah. wasn't i think kendrick what i do like about kendrick though is that i think she is a better improviser than people would give her credit for it seems like yep. she really plays into the the mommy vlogger thing really well and knows how to kind of balance sweet and naive with cunning and and, yeah. and a sharpness that can turn and it can turn in an interesting way agreed i i'm with you on that part and i liked um some of Blake Lively's ridiculous like outfits and and oh yeah, and stuff like that. it's it's, very... it's amazing. Like she can rock, but also any if couture. she's trying to, but Kendrick does that well too. Hidden she... and don't, doesn't want her photo taken, but she works for one of the biggest fashion designers. In... Sometimes it's better to hide in plain sight, Matt. I guess, but see, this is where the movie kind of just falls apart for me, and I'm like, you want to be taken seriously and dark and twisted at times, but then you're just fucking ridiculously goofy it's, at other times. It's not and like, dark and twisted in this, like we we're saying, dark and twisted. It's not like really dark and twisted. No, it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of. But it's not even really like I was even hoping that it was kind of be it would be more trashy or like I thought erotic. So too. Like yeah, exactly. Make but it's very middle thriller. of the road. That's what I'm. That's exactly yeah. what you're you're hitting on. Why I don't think it goes far enough. On either, either way. Either way, it's like it doesn't go serious and dark enough and it doesn't go over the top enough. And trashy. Yeah. yeah. Like it just kind of plays out like I was waiting for something like really violent to happen or like twisted in that sense. Yeah, or or perverse. Like and there is something that's sort of perverse that you're like, yeah, that's kind of gross. Right. But it's not. um, But it's not. With the backstory with her brother and her brother looks like the spitting image of her father. Played by uh, Dustin Mulligan. And and then then her husband's played by the guy who was in. Uh, Eric Johnson, but who was in Fifty Shades. played very straight and right. very serious. Well, I think that those like, scenes are supposed to mislead you in a way that it's, again, like the red herring of the film. Because I thought that those scenes would play out differently in the final act. But it yeah. really is just her backstory saying that she's also, you know, like not everybody is... She's not as pure as yeah, you think. Yeah, no, no, not, everybody, not everybody can be Mr. Rogers. You know, yeah. like it's like everybody has some dark... Some people want to fuck their brother. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, <laughs> Are you a brother fucker? <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Well, that's is, what she calls you know? uh, her in the movie is, yeah. is brother fucker, which yeah. I actually kind of like that line as well. No, and I thought that was really like even her revealing that story. You're like, oh, shit. Okay. Like, that's, <laughs> that's kinda, weird. That's intriguing. That's definitely <laughs> like, a, a Freudian yeah, thing going on there. Yeah. And and I was almost. But they don't go much further into that. No. I mean, they explain a bit more of it later, but I felt like I kind of saw that even from the footage that they showed earlier yeah. in the movie with the car accident well and stuff i honestly like that, thought but... they were gonna bring it back for something right. but they never do but that's what i mean when you need to go super trashy with it and i right. would have rathered something completely at a left field or something re- like it's almost ridiculous in the sense that they throw one thing after another at you right but then it's th- none of the twists are that like shocking or surprising or trashy enough for you to be like that's fucking s- so dumb it works like right. they're all kind of like Oh, okay. We should also and mention then, that it was shot in Toronto. Yep, it was. And you, like the the exterior at least for Blake Lively's house, I've I've seen it somewhere before. Yeah. I can't remember. I think it's up in. I know the area that I think it's. I've in. driven it's in past north. it. I've, I've it's seen in North it Toronto, I think, in those suburbs. It's the hoity-toity like, yeah. part of. Nevis and I Toronto. walked around that neighborhood a couple weeks ago. I think in um, Somerville. I think near there, maybe, yeah. but. Um, there's some beautiful houses there, man. I'm pretty sure when we were watching the movie, I'm like, we walked around that neighborhood and we, I'm pretty sure a security guard drove by us a couple times because we were just literally wandering around all these like very rich neighborhoods in Toronto. But like, they were probably like, what the fuck are these people doing? But, but it's always funny when they um, mask 
certain things like about it. It's supposed to be New York, Yeah, because, right? I mean, we were talking about, like, Greta uh, back for the, the TIFF special, and it's interesting to see, like, it, you can tell it's the TTC, but they try to make it look a little bit York like subway, New York. Yeah. And then, like, but then you see, like, oh, the Chum building and, like, shit like that. We're only people who are from Toronto. Yeah, so it, it won't that, have but... an effect on, you know, an international audience or even people outside of Toronto probably wouldn't care either. But um, it's always just interesting to see when you notice it. You can really notice it because they do shoot a lot actually exterior and not just interior buildings. And there are cast members as well that you that I've seen before in other Canadian productions. I think Kelly McCormick was in it. So um, it, it's it's... It's always kind of interesting just to see, you know, American productions shoot here and how they kind of change the facade a little bit to make it more uh, American. Oh, yeah. I always love that. I mean, watching, it's cheaper too. watching right? Suicide Squad at Young and Dundas and going, oh, a big chunk of this movie well, was shot right outside. Well, it's funny because that and uh, The Incredible Hulk both shot. Uh, right at that Young and Dundas Yeah, the square. Zanzibar. <laughs> yeah, is in, yeah, the Zanzibar is very prominent in. In um, the Marvel and DC universes. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Is it also in Suicide Squad? Can you see? Zanzibar? Yeah, it is. They drive. Yeah. They drive past, past it. Oh, with in the, the car, Batmobile. The yeah, yeah, yeah. You hundred percent past Zanzibar. Yeah, but Big Slice, R.I.P. Not there anymore. Miss, miss that. Um, Big Slice. It's gone. But yeah, Simple Favor just didn't work for me, and I, I get why people are enjoying it and, yeah. and bought into it, and it is trashy enough i guess to be kind of it's a it's a um, good way to waste an i know hour we just talked to... about that it's not trashy enough but i mean why people right would be well people that don't it. watch like actual trashy movies Which i'm not saying we're better because of that no no no, anything, no but, but we have we have a different like we have we're more desensitized or have a better right. a vast i want it to be really trashy. fucked up not yeah like to some people her fucking her brother is fucked, super fucked up. I'm like, ah, it doesn't, doesn't yeah. seem like that big of a deal. Right, right, <laughs> Not right. trying to endorse I'm, that. Right, but right. Like... <laughs> I've seen I've seen worse in like a Lars von Trier movie oh, or something fuck, like yeah. that, right? Where it, like it goes completely into places you don't want to go to, but it it still does. It's or... very uncomfortable instead yeah. of you going, oh, that's icky. Yeah, like, yeah. But um, anyways, I I just couldn't. I wish it just stuck to. It just. It felt tonally all over the place, too soapy in that last act, and just I do I did like maybe a, a, a few of the elements in the first hour or so of the movie, and I was kind of on board and and curious right. of where it was going, but how it ended up kind of playing out, I just wasn't super into. But that's important also to note that you need to see the whole movie because some people will you know like whether it be TIFF or whether it be a press screening, some critic will come in and watch you know, an hour of the film and say, oh, that's enough to for me to judge the movie and then walk out. Well, yeah. I mean, I try not to, like, officially review anything that I've left. I can right. say, like, oh, it wasn't for me. Right. I don't want to watch it. But no, it, I'm, not, but... I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking about, like, I've, I've seen press and, and people in general where they'll watch only, like, half of it or part of it and say, oh, well, I get the gist of it. Like, this is what the movie is. And it's like, well, no, you don't necessarily because... You need to see the whole thing, and part of what made the movie not work for you was that final act, that final oh, totally. half an hour, hour yeah. or so, and that was important for you to see it. Right, and there are other things where I talked about Roma earlier and, and things like that where people were like, well, you should see the last bit because it's better, or her smell and things like right. that at TIFF that I missed that I might uh, check out when it's uh, on demand on the Netflix all right, dude. Uh, we went about an hour longer than what we usually do. I don't know why this one out of we we didn't even have any real actual movies to review other than this. But, well, we're still um, getting over the TIFF stuff, right? I like, guess you know we just had to talk about uh, 
We should um for, for the next episode. I'll 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 ask the uh, Fox people. Maybe we should talk about uh, bad times at the El Royale. Yeah, find out the embargo on that because yeah. uh, spoiler, we are seeing that tomorrow. But um, I hope we would uh, be able to talk about it. If not, we can wait. No yeah. worries. But yeah. um, I'm excited for that, man. So next week though, we'll probably um, it'll be our kind of New York preview. We'll try to record before. We go to New York, hopefully. Right. Um, if not, I mean, maybe we can record an episode in the in the hotel room when we're there. Yeah, um, I, the the major releases opening in Canada is the Sisters Brothers, which is getting its theatrical release. Uh, the Hate You Give and Venom. Um, those right. are the th- Venom we would have talked about, but we um, might try to go see that while we're in New York. While we're in New York, so maybe because we'll- why not see Eddie Brock from the Bronx <laughs> in Brooklyn, baby? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to hit up the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, and then we're also going to uh, check out the new Coen Brothers film and the new Orson Welles movie. Yes, so, um, where he's not playing Unicron. Yeah, exactly. So that should be fun. We'll try and record an episode before we go. Um, I'm going to be heading to the schwa that weekend, so we'll figure it out. And we'll, yeah, uh, we'll, record. we'll get it in there. We'll, we'll squeeze one in there for you. Yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, guys, uh, thank you all for listening. I know it was a long one again. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that we had. I sure did. Um, As always, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Um, You can find us every week at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on podcast services, uh, whichever one that you use. Um, We'll be back next week. Uh, As always, I am Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the Internet at In the Seats, uh, Cineplex, um, all over the place, and on Twitter at Matt Rorabek. And you can find uh, my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene, and I'm on Twitter at EM6211. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and have a good one. See you next week. Peace. Bye.